You guys are freaking disrespectful. You let him shoot to me. You, you know, Fangulo. He's yelling at us like in Italian, this and that. Three days later, there's a sit down. You know, like we all heard about it. Frankie got a pass. I mean, half the shit I have, this is stolen. I was the go-to guy. That was my thing. Right. Hey man, uh, we just got a score. They show me a diamond ring and I'm like, oh, that's a nice rock. We can cut this into like five rocks. So I go to my guy and my guy goes, dude, I'll give you 20 grand for it right now. I call him up and be like, yo, my bad. He's only going to give you 15. Right. I should be saying this now because guy's going to be looking <laughs> back and be like, what a scumbag, yeah. you know? Born in Serbia, uh, January 20th, 1969. Came to United States, 1970s. Um, grew up in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, it was a big Serbian community, Romanian community. Um, I'm half Serbian, half Romanian. My dad's Serbian, my mom is Romanian. Speak both languages. Why did you, why'd your family come here? Um, my uncle came during the 60s. And we lived in the communist era. And some of the family, basically, they uh, didn't like communist uh, the Tito dictator. They didn't, they didn't like him. Uh, a couple of my uncles got in trouble for cursing him while they're drunk. You know, so right. the cops would come into the house and like the Gestapo and throw you in jail. Uh, the other ones were just out of um, necessity because uh, we, li- we were farm. We were peasants, you know, living on like farmland and, you know, taking care of the land or whatever. And my mom was uh, barefoot and working in the field. She couldn't afford shoes, you know. So we came to America for a better life, you right. know. At least, you know, that's that's what my mom says. And my dad, you know, he was just well, happy where he bare, was. You're not you're not barefoot and <laughs> hells and no. working in hell's the field, no. so. Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, we we came in the seventies. Uh, uh I grew up around a lot of Italians in that area, uh some Puerto Ricans. Uh the neighbor who was touch and go. Uh we moved to Ridgewood, which is right on the border, and um Long story short, my life was uh, filled with a lot of trauma. You know, right. my my father was an alcoholic. He beat my mom. He beat me. He was sadistic. Uh, he's he'd burn me with uh, cigarettes time to time out of a joke. Uh, he would drink and be like, "Come over here, open up a jar of pepperoni, hot peppers, stick one in my mouth." And, you know, just sadistic. Yeah, yeah, you know, just, I had a pet yeah. parakeet, broke its neck. You know, sadistic shit. I'm just giving you a gist right, so right, you right. know. Okay. Um, and um, what did he What did he do? Uh, he, at, at the time, um, he was doing two jobs. He was working at a, at a meat market in this Italian meat market on Nicobacca Rav. And at night he was working in the maintenance cleaning. That's what all, you know, the immigrants are doing back then. My mom was working in the knitting mills of Ridgewood and Brooklyn. So she'd be working piecework, which is you get paid like 50 cents to a dollar a dozen. The more dozens you crank out on the Merrill machine or the Singer machine, the more money you get paid. So back then my mom was making, you know, about 125 $150 a week, which that's good money back then. And my right. dad, between his both jobs, about two, two and change. Um, my parents got divorced when I was seven. That was traumatic for me because... Uh, my dad didn't leave us alone after that. It was just, he, he'd come around the house, drunk, threatening my mom. He'd pick up a, a rock from the street like a brick. He'd smack her in the face, you know. Uh, he, he'd grab me. He'd say, I want to talk to my son. I'd come out in my pajamas, put me in the car, take me about two miles away to a park and interrogate me. You know, uh, whose mom, you know, banging, what's going on? Who's this guy coming and around the house? Seven? Seven years old. Yeah. No shit. Seven years old. And then he'd leave me in the fucking park. No shit, and I'd walk those two miles barefoot. I just had a good sense of direction where I lived. And my mom, yeah, she took him to, to 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 court a few times. The judge was finally fed up with his, you know, antics and uh, was basically like, "Get a toothbrush, you're going to jail." 
That's right. it, you know? And he begged my mom in the court on his hand. I'm not, I'll never forget it. On his hands and knees, please, I promise I never do this again. Please, you know, with his accent. And my mom let it, let it be. And then she met this other guy, which was a bad role model for me. But this is where I became a gangster. His name than, was... Worse than your dad? Uh, yeah, in not in a way. sadistic... He wasn't a... He kind of was sadistic, but um, he was more... Just a bad role model, you know? He... He had a business that he was kind of running, but he was a gangster, like a part-time gangster, you know? Um, he would take me in the car. He would take me to, like, uh, Joe's and, Joe and Mary's restaurant where Carmine Galante got executed. Well, when Carmine Galante was alive, he would take me there, leave me in the car, and say, don't worry, nobody's going to... And I see, like, Puerto Rican people walk by, you know, some black people would walk by. They'd look at the car, but they knew not to... You know, like back then, the Italians had that clout, you know? Right. They thought he was Italian because he looked Italian, you know? So that kind of like is what I started to emulate. He'd come in the house. He'd leave guns in the house. I got caught at 10 years old taking a gun to school. Not wow. shitting you. And I had such a cool uh, security now? guard. No, this security guard, Mr. Andrews, you know, God rest his soul, but he heard that I had a gun in my bag. He asked to see my bag. I gave it to him. He opened it up so the gun wasn't loaded. He goes, I'm going to hold this bag till after school, and I need, you know, your mom and dad to come. And I was just like, you can't do that. And I, I told him the story, what it was. I go, it's my mom's boyfriend's gun, and I just want to show off. He came with me to make sure I went straight home with that bag. Wow. Stand-up guy. I right. mean, if it wasn't for him, I would have been in the system long, long ago. But, um, yeah, I did stupid shit like that, you know. Um, he just was a bad influence. He was putting in my head at that age to to be disrespectful to women you know just just all over bed like nothing not, wasn't a good father figure at all you know um but he was that gangster you know he was a black belt and hop keto taught me dirty pool um i used to get uh, beat on as a kid and um he put me in karate, taught me the dirty pool, um, even took on my sensei. Because I said, back then you used to be able to get hit what by is, your teacher. What is dirty pool? Dirty pool, um, okay, you know you have uh, the, 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 the foundation of karate or whatever you know, art you're taking. Right. It's all, you know, you got to take your hands and you got to do it a certain position. They're called katas. No, my, my, my guy, he goes to me, uh, there's, no, there's no katas. He goes... The guy comes at you, you go straight for a throat punch. You take your hands, you put it in his eyes, you you know, you know pull his eyes out. Uh, he taught me how to sweep the knee, how to take the knee out, like break the kneecap. So I learned at a young age, when you hit somebody, you hit them in this part, you break their jaw, you hit them here, you break their orbital socket, you hit them here, you like, you know, like crush their windpipe. It's yeah. just insane what he taught me. And I knew all of this and I never used it until in my like early teens. So my mom and him... Uh, kind of. I don't know if I should say this, but it's 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 common knowledge. Everybody knows. My mom would take off for long periods of time and live in Connecticut. Now I'm at 12 years old, 13 years old, living alone. My mom would just show up on the weekends, do the laundry, fill up the fridge, and I was left to my own demise to do whatever the fuck I wanted. And right. that's where I started my life of crime. You could say I um, 
started boosting uh, bikes off the street. I would just walk up to kids, throw them off their bikes, take it. But I would go into a different neighborhood. <laughs> I shouldn't even laugh at that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. No, I'm sure it wasn't but funny But that adrenaline kid. that I got, and right. I was like, this is cool. I get to ride this new BMX bike, and I was from a different neighborhood, so I'd be driving it in my neighborhood, riding around. Everybody would be like, oh, your mom loves you. She always gets you a new bike all the time. Never told anybody I was boosting them. Um, and then I would sell them. I'd go to like Bushwick and like go to the Puerto Ricans and be like, yo, you want to buy a bike? Give me 30 bucks. And then I hop on the bus for 50 cents, come back to Glendale, you know, and it was pocket full of money. Yeah. Pocket full of money for, you know, 12, 13 year old kid. That's phenomenal. You know, I buy weed, you know, I treat my friends. We get a 40, you know, old English and we go to the park and this went on, um, you know, and then my mom and him came back. He tried to like kick me out the house, try to get rid of me. Uh, you know, planted coke on me. How, how old are you? Uh, 14, 15 at this time. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you understand that I, I hear these stories. Yeah. And and some of them have similarities. But uh, do, what was the guy um, that had the dog uh, that was in, um, New York? in New York? You know what I'm talking about? He, yeah, yeah. he found the dog and, and everything. Remember, he, he, he like, they, like his family, like, like his dad like threw him out when he was like 12 or 13 and yeah yeah like, no it's back it like, then it was you? just and he was like yeah i was fucking living on the street like i'm eating out of garbage cans and yeah, still in, trying to go to school and it it's was just in, like it's insane it's like you know me and my mom we've tried to talk about this and she kind of like you know blinders on like i didn't do nothing or you can't forgive me or whatever yeah of course i do i'm a father now you know but that back then it was i couldn't i couldn't fathom the shit that i was going through i tried look you know i i didn't have no i got no brothers no sisters um i got a lot of you know cousins but i was the black sheep of the family it was just there was two people in the family that were the black sheep it was my uncle john and me my uncle john he was you know uh, he had a smack habit you know and that's all stemming from his dad and his brother you know they kind of like they pushed him out the family and they were always saying how one brother was better than him. And so that's kind of like I was the same shit. Like they're like, Oh, you're following John's footsteps. I was like, eh, it is what it is. I don't care. I started making up my mind what I want. Uh, already, already was building a reputation as a sort of like, you know, a guy that could back up his mouth. Um, all the Italian kids that were picking on me when I was growing up, you know, all their fathers and uncles were somebody in the mob. And I remember store, like I remember, um, Going in these basements because up north they has they have basements. So a two story house and then the basement. The basement was a summer kitchen where that's where all the cooking went on in the house and a big living room. Everybody would hang out. Up on the first floor, furniture was all in plastic, all like you know Louis the Fourteenth looking styly furniture, yeah. you know. And um, this is what I grew up with. So you knew when these guys would come in their wife beaters and they'd go in there and they dip you know the bread in the sauce and they'd be like oh venica come here you know they'd give us like 20 bucks go get some candy get out of here we knew what they were doing they were yeah. having a meeting you know so growing up i started like bouncing around with these kids and go to their house that's what i wanted to do rub elbows with these guys and they heard like one, one guy this guy tony goes hey kid come here i heard you uh, laid out that guy uh, michelangelo you laid him out like cold i was like yeah why I go, I don't know, he's talking shit. Yeah, huh? He's you want to do me a favor? I'm like, yeah. You want to take something for me down to Bushwick? I'm like, yeah, okay. I didn't ask. Boom, boom, boom. Got in the car and I went, you know? And that's how it started, like from there, you know? Um, I started boosting cars right after that. I was going to say, when you're, you know, what I think a lot of people don't realize is like when you're, you're growing up and you see all the people that have status and money and respect 
are criminals, Always. then that's what you go for. Like if you grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood mm-hmm. and all those same people were doctors and lawyers, well, yeah. then, then you you want to emulate them. Of course. But of course, everybody that you're seeing surrounding you. Well, it all started with that guy that my mom brought home. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to say straight up, the guy's a piece of shit. Right. I mean, I've ran into him after, you know. Um, I'll get into that later, but, you know, I, I've st- I, st- I stood up to him. And, right. you know, typical, you know, he's a punk, straight up punk, you know. I mean, yeah, he's got a little age on me or whatnot. You know, he's 70-something, but at the time he was in his 60s. I was in my 30s. I, I, I gave him my opportunity to step up. He, he didn't step up. He just kind of, like, backed down, you know. I also found out he ended up being a rat, you know, right. and that's one thing that was against my principles. When I found that out, I was just... I was like devastated, you know, because I started putting one to one together, and then that explains a lot of things. Like, you know, it's how not like you held them held them in esteem anyway. So, well, you know, it is. I didn't have a father figure, right? All right, this was the only thing I had. Um, it's just he was in my life all those years. It was it was devastating to me when he planted coke on me, you know. Right. And I told my mom, yeah, I smoke weed. Yeah, you know, I sell a little weed. I go, mom, I don't do fucking coke. She didn't care. She just fucking told me to pack my shit and go. And, you know, sleeping on a couple of friends' couches for about a week, you know, two two weeks. And my mom came back. She said, oh, I made a big fucking mistake. That She tried to juggle us. Like, I'd be in the apartment and alone again, and she'd be by his, his place. Right. And it just, I don't know what ended up happening. I guess she got tired of getting, you know, beat and, what, and whatnot. And, and it was the next guy. You know, and then the next guy. And I, I don't blame my mom for making poor choices because her mom was a poor example of her mother. You know, she, my grandmother spent nine years in prison. I'm not going to say for what, but she did something really nasty to somebody else with a knife. Um, my mom kind of witnessed this and back in the old country. that That's that's it. They just take, put, take you and put you in, you know, a camp, a work camp. And they put her in a work camp. And nine years, my mom grew up without her mom. And when she came out of prison, it was just guy to guy to guy to guy looking for, you know, a father figure because my grandfather died of tuberculosis when my mom was three. So, you know, um, it's like a, a circle of suffering that just yeah, keeps, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it just, you know, um, I didn't think I'd, I'd be alive to be doing this podcast. I didn't think I'd be alive and living in Florida because I fucking detested Florida. I, I come here on vacation and be like, it's fucking awesome. It's great to come on vacation, but the people here are fucking retarded. I just, I couldn't deal with it, you know? Right. Um, nothing against you, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's just when you're in that vacation, you know, you know, mindset, it's phenomenal. But once the vacation is over and you got to go back to the nitty gritty, it's just like, I like where I came from, you know, like, you know, here is just like it's a different it's a different world. But now that I'm here and I've adjusted, I you know uh, literally became a Floridian now. Like there's there's no there's no way I'm Floridian. You know I mean right. I still got the New York in me. I still got that swag. But um, you know I am I'm a Floridian. You know yeah I like you know? Florida. Yeah. I, I think the difference is that I think when when people do come down from yeah. vacation and when they see it on TV, it's totally is different. That it's totally it, it's not Florida is basically like. Georgia or South Carolina. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, there's cow pastures and there's, of course, you know, dairy farms and yeah. there's farms and there's orange groves and there, everybody sees the beaches and yeah. the Miami and that that's not, what it's, it, no, it's not five ten percent of Florida. If, it is, know, it is. It's yeah. pickup trucks and yeah, you know, it took me, it, working. it took me two years to get used to when I first came down because I'm used to the hustle bustle. I mean, I mean, I grew up where I, 
I know everybody. You know, right. like I went to school, I made my bones in the street. I know everybody. I knew everybody for everything. You know, I would drive down the block. But you're also, I was gonna say, you're also blocks away from everybody, right? Like, yes. Like here's yes. your. Yeah, I mean, you just walk out your house, it's like 10 guys pass by, they, 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 they start honking yeah. up going, yo, Pedge, how you doing? You gotta you know? have a car here. Oh, you know, for, you can, for real. You, can you can't walk here. anywhere here. Like one time I had a, um, I forgot what it was. I went somewhere and I left my car. I think it was the mechanic shop. I left my car and I had to walk like four blocks, the longest four fucking blocks of my life, man. <laughs> and then I had to cross, I had to cross a, my son was like, yo, dad, it's a highway. I'm like, no, it's not. It's fucking Sunset Point Road. It's a fucking three lane road. But my son sees all these cars and I'm like, dude, I go, you want to see what traffic is? Let's go back to New York. Like, I'll take yeah. you back. I'll show you what traffic is, what, yeah. you know, a, a highway is. But yeah, I got, I got used to it. It, it took a lot of, um, well, for, compared to New York, it's this. This it's so much country. better. Country. It is. Everybody hears it, it is. And I mean, I only in the last year or two even went to New York. Uh, when my wife and I went up there to yeah. be filmed by some uh, for some TV program. Listen, even seeing it on TV, I, I was unprepared. Of course, for how <laughs> massive yes New York is. I mean, yeah. I'm just like we, and you should have seen both of us sitting in the back yeah. of this this. Uh, this it's like Uber, it's like almost like, like a mini Tokyo, like with the people crossing streets in unison it's, and everything. It's <laughs> it's buildings as long as far as you can see. Yeah, you know, know. we we yeah. were there. We were there like three days after yeah. three days. My wife was like, she's Let's like, get yeah. the hell out of here. She was, I'm, <laughs> I, I feel like I've ex I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. She's, yeah. I'm ready to go. I was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's it, it's it's insane. I mean, when you live in there, it's not insane. You you get no, used you get to used it. To, you can get used to anything. Yeah, I worked in the garment district for fifteen years. You know, and I worked in that. Uh, uh, hospitality and uh, cleaning and you know uh, taking care of office buildings and for me I was two blocks away from 42nd street and I remember 42nd street when they called it the 40 deuce when it was pimps and prostitutes and drugs and you couldn't walk to the train station at one o'clock in the morning without somebody going pss, pss, yo don't move like they would just pull out a gun on you rob you you know um before giuliani yeah and then giuliani took over and it was just insane they cleaned it up you know they started building more and you know it, i mean i lived there and i worked there and now when i go back time just time to time i can't stomach it like i mean i i love that i go back and i reminisce and i drive through the neighborhood you know i'll go by the old haunts i'll see like they changed a couple of places like uh an old gambino spot is now a vape shop you know which right. is is like totally bewildering to me like i'll just stop and be like what the fuck like it's a vape shop you know um, I remember it, you know, wise guys going in, we, you know, have coffee in the front, go play cards in the back, hit the joker poker machines, you know, it's funny, you know, it's like getting out of prison after 13 years and come back to Tampa and That's it's insane. like, it's like whole blocks are gone. It's yeah, like, it's, Oh my God, like there's a massive apartment complex and a grocery store and like yeah. all this stuff that was there. You're like, that was all old rundown houses for yep. two or three blocks. It's yep. all gone. Yeah. Like me being here almost eight years I see it around me. I'm in Clearwater, and it's like I see, you know, they're extending you know, Route 19. They're building, like, little uh, things over, like, that you could walk over pedestrian cross, you know, crosswalks. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it's insane because I'm seeing they're building all these apartments, and I'm like, well, who the fuck's coming here? Everybody, everybody from Cali. Everybody from New York is coming. Mostly upstate New Yorkers, but there's a lot of wise guys coming down this way, yeah. too. Like, I ran into a couple of people in the gym. There's a ton of them in... In uh, you know West Palm, yeah, I, I yeah, almost oh yeah. Well, the East all, Coast, the East Coast is all, yeah, all ex gangsters and everything. But they're starting to move in this area now. You know, like Dom Sakali's out this way. Um, there's an, I think, I think Merlino's out here this way, this way too. Marlino's in, um, 
He's in Palm Beach. Oh, he's in Palm he's Beach, in Palm so he's on the East yeah. Coast? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know I we're actually interviewing another guy that okay. was, uh, used to be uh, John A. Light. He used to do um, a podcast with okay. John A. Light. He's actually coming here in like a few days. Gene Barilla? I, please don't ask me his name. I don't. Remember. Right, no I don't. Worries. I can't remember. That's the only guy that I remember that. That's the only guy that I remember that was doing something with Johnny A. Light. So probably him. Probably he does live in Tampa. Oh well, then it's got. Then be it's got to be him. He, yeah. he just got. He just got out on a probation violation. He went. Yeah, that's the one. Yep, it's him. Yeah, yeah. yeah Good for you, man. <laughs> but um, um, yeah. So like, uh, getting back to started boosting cars. After boosting cars, I, t- I became entrepreneurial. You know, like I just started opening up little like uh, tinting businesses in the neighborhood. I had 10 cars in front of my house. I would be tinting during the day. Uh, I started doing DJing, um, and I would be like making tapes, mixtapes for all these gangsters, you know, a guy in, in, for for instance, uh, Ralphie Schuler. He got got whacked, but uh, Ralphie Schuler used to work in a pizzeria and deal a little Coke, you know? Took a liking to me. I used to give him mixtapes. He'd like, hey, come take a ride with me. You know, what are you doing, this and that? He actually started getting me into dealing, into dealing Coke. Sadly, um, there was a an instance where he got too big for his britches. At least that's what I heard on the street. Uh, I was going around with like $50,000 pinky ring, diamond pinky ring, you know, flashing the jewelry. Didn't want to bring anybody else in the neighborhood on his scores and whatnot, which it's rightfully so. If you pay tax, you don't have to. But everybody's getting greedy. Everybody wants the tax. People who aren't made want tax. So he basically, um, they found him in a trunk, shot three times to the head, tied with telephone cord. Uh, at JFK Airport, three days, bloated, and they shot him in the head for a reason. And they did that as a message. He could he couldn't have an open casket funeral. His mom went ballistic. The dude that did it, Vito Guzzo, actually in court was like, "Yeah, so I shot the guy three times. No remorse." The guy was a stone cold fucking killer. I used to see him in the neighborhood. I'd kind of like try to avoid him like the plague. He was one of those guys where one minute he's joking with you, "Hey, that's fucking funny, right?" This and right. that. What'd you think was funny? Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of those, like, that Joe Pesci thing. Yeah, it's exactly like that, but that face of his, it just would, like, you, you shit yourself. I got the, that guy, Vito Guzzo, survived, I think, two attempts on his life. They they filled him up, I think, eleven with 11 bullets at one time, right in front of his house. So this guy survived twice, and now he's doing the 30-year bid. So, yeah, so that was my my was, my team. I was going to say, didn't Marlino shot someone with, like, a fucking... An Uzi or something. Yeah, some shit like that. Yeah, when they had the Philadelphia Mob Wars. Yeah. No, yeah, that's just... I mean, I'll give you a story. Um, I've said this story before. We're sitting there playing cards in a little social club. And this guy, uh, Frankie Fiordolino, you know, he was uh, up and coming. Uh, His brother was a made guy in the the Bananos. And he comes in and he's like, hey, what's up? Sits down with two of his guys. He deal me in. They start playing cards. Another guy sitting across from him, heavy Italian accent, He's like, oh, Frankie, we're going to play at the cards, right? You know, and he's just like, all right, shut the fuck up, Charlie, you know. And this is going on. We're just around the pool table. We're over there by the uh, by the Joker poker machines. The place is about as big as, you know, that you have right here. Like, it's a small little joint, you know. And they're playing cards, and we hear Frankie, like, say, yo, you fucking say that one more fucking time, you know. It's the last word you're going to say. So we didn't really think anything. We thought maybe it was going to be a little push and shove and this and that. And all of a sudden, it's just, we turn our heads and we hear, and we look and Frankie just drops the revolver on the table. It's got rubber bands on it. 
He he turns like sweaty, cold, runs for the door, takes off. This guy is in the chair going, Minka, he shot at me. You let him shoot at me? We just hightail the fuck out of there. We don't know if this guy's dying or what the fuck. This guy comes, gets up, grabbing his chest like this, three times to the chest. And he just starts walking to his car. He goes, you guys are freaking disrespectful. You let him shoot at me. Fuck you. You know, Fangulo. He's yelling at us like an Italian, this and that. We're just like trying to get in our cars to get the fuck out of Dodge. Guy drives himself to the hospital. Three days later, there's a fucking sit down. You know, like we all heard about it. Frankie got a pass. Didn't have to pay retribution, no tax for what he did, nothing. He just, you know, his because his brother was, you know, made guy in the fucking bananas. So this is the kind of life you right. understand. Like I've gone to sit downs and I, since I'm not Italian, but they kind of respect me like I was, but I wasn't Italian, you know, and I've gone to sit downs. When you get in there, you don't know if you're going to walk out of there. That's just, that's just how they operate. You don't know if you're going to walk out. And I've known guys that were like, Hey, I'm going to a sit down. And then they gone. Like for real. Like you don't ask questions. You just hear through the grapevine. Yeah, they found him in this fucking Oh, the, the Joe Pesci thing. He thinks he's going to be made. He never That's exactly out. how it happens. Walks it's, in, there's plastic on the floor. They're your God, best shit. They're your best fucking friends. They'll kiss your ass all the way to the fucking final end. And you don't know. You don't know. I mean, um there's another story with this guy Frankie. I was running this social club. For the Serbian guy. He has some problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, 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 he's a fucking trip, you know? And um, he turned around and he uh, comes to my house. It was like 8 in the morning. My mom, I just wake up like, and Frankie's in my fucking bedroom. I was like, Frankie, what are you doing here? He goes, uh, come on, get dressed. I said, can I ask you what's going on? My mom's now worried. My mom comes in. She's talking to me in Romanian. What's going on? What's going on? I turn it in Serbian because Romanian is a romance language like Italian. Frankie can pick up on it. So I was just like in Serbian. I go, I need to go with him somewhere. She's like, are you coming back? You know, but she said in Romanian, are you coming back? And he goes, oh, signora, don't worry. He's coming back. I'm like, that's bullshit. But He's that doesn't trying... necessarily mean anything coming nah, from that guy. I was just like, you know. I was just whatever. I went to open up my closet. And back then, Sergio Tacchini's were really popular, like the tracksuits. So he's picking out a tracksuit. He goes, hey, wait, this, you're going to look good. I'm like, this guy's fucking prepping me for, you know, I don't know for what. So I was like, can I just ask you, what, what do you want from me? He's like, no, you know, I go to grab my gun. He goes, you're not going to need that. Now I'm even more worried. You know, I get in the car. I'm shitting pickles in the car. You know, these other two guys ain't saying shit to me, you know. And I'm just like sitting there in the passenger seat. I'm going, I know this guy got a gun to my fucking back. You know, I, I, that's what I'm going through my, yeah. through my head. We, we get to the social club. He goes, open it up. I open it up. He's like, uh, yeah, take all the video cassettes. I said, what? Now he pulls the gate down from the inside. I'm like, fuck. That's a straight up like mob hit. I'm like, they're, gonna, they're trying to muffle the sound, whatever. And I'm like grabbing the video cassettes, put them in garbage bags. Now I'm a couple of, you know, fall down. I'm like trying to bend over, pick them up. They're all hovering over me like this and over here. I'm just like, yo, I go, I got to fucking ask. Before I fucking move anymore, what the fuck am I here for? Why am I bagging all these video cassettes? He goes, because you need to get rid of these video cassettes. This is going to be my social club from now on. Uh, you tell your boy in jail, I took the spot over. If he doesn't like it, he come fucking see me when he gets out. I said, I don't give a shit. I just told to open up. Let the social club run. Let the video video store on the side run. I said, I really don't give a rat's ass. This is not my fucking, it's not my business. And I'm just like, uh, you want to give me a hand with this shit? He goes, oh yeah, sure. Now they're helping me. And he goes, hey, uh, what are you so nervous about any which way? You were like fucking sweating there for a minute. I mean, he you had get, to know. He knew. He was fucking with me. Yeah, yeah. He was because he goes, 
He goes, well, what'd you think? You were going to get whacked? I said, honestly, fucking yeah. And he goes, hey, he thought he was going to get fucking whacked. You know, typical, mo- typical mob scene type shit. It's insane. That's just like one of the stories. I've had like five of those with other people. It's not, it's an uneasy feeling, you know? That's why I got the nickname Pedge Two Guns. I'd have two guns on me at all times. You know what I mean? So right. it'd be like, if I can't get this one, I get the one on my ankle. It's just, I just didn't trust the situations I was in. And when you're in that, you know, I mean, you know, you've done crime. But yeah, my crime... I'm, I'm filling out paperwork, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, You're filling always, out paperwork, but... Mortgage brokers don't shoot each other. Yeah, but see, like, with these people, I just got so fucking deep in that life. You know, you see that shooting in front of you? It's like a fucking watching a TV show, like watching Breaking Bad and the guy shoots the guy. You know, my son has asked me growing up, he goes, Dad, what is it like when you see somebody... Nothing. It's cold. It's like it doesn't... I go, I could walk over a dead body. It could be my friend. It could be my friend for real. It could be my friend. He just got shot. And if it's me or him and I have to fucking hightail out of it because the cops are on their way, I'll be like, yo, nice knowing you. Boom, I'm out. I'll cry about it later at the funeral. I was just going to say, I was thinking, yeah, I've got no reference, but actually prison is the reference. We're like, prison, yeah. First day I got there. (laughs) Saw somebody. I didn't see it, but I mean, you know, they screamed lockdown, the thing, everybody's going in. I go, what's going on? What's going on? And my, my celly, which I met 20 minutes earlier said, Oh, someone got stabbed on the rec yard. And I thought, I go, someone just got killed. He goes, nah, they just just stabbed him up a little bit. Like they're not trying to kill. I didn't realize till later that they're not trying to kill you. No, no. They want to stab you four or five times to prove the point. It hurts you. It gets you, gets them some respect, but they don't want you to die. Of course not. So, but you know, and, and you and and of course I have I've seen people get stabbed and I've mm-hmm. seen you what I've seen which is worse seems worse is getting hit with a lock like I've been saying yeah, right I've heard those next, stories yeah. it's super bloody because they'll hit you in the head yeah. your head bleeds so much so but one time I actually had a guy who died in front of my cell wow he had gone to medical a couple times uh-huh. complained of a heart uh, problem been locked up since he was twenty he was like thirty years old right super overweight black guy. And he's walking down the the hallway, mm. and he falls right in front of myself. Boom! And I wow. look, and I'm like, and you knew the way he he rocked back and forth. Mm-hmm. He's done. Yeah, there's no yeah. muscle control left. It's yeah. over. And I my first thought was because I'd been in the medium for three years, but this was at the low. Was that the moment someone something like this happens, they lock everybody down? And I thought, fuck, they're gonna lock us down. Mm. I need to get some coffee. I immediately grab, <laughs> I, I grab my cup, I step over his body and walk down the hall. Like nothing. Like it was nothing. Didn't realize till medical staff was yeah. running in yeah. that I thought, and, and then they, they're they carrying him out on the stretcher and they're and everybody's like, oh, he's gone, he's dead. He's and, dead. Just like, yeah. and I'm sitting there like, yeah, and I'm sitting there and thinking, damn, did I just step over that dude's body? You did. Like, and, and I was like, like didn't think, it, you I'll, don't have I'll, time to process. Yeah, I just I just realized at that point I was like, "Wow, you're you're getting a little fucked up, bro. You need to get out of here." Well, you, you you're you're what's the what's the word? Um, desensitized. Yeah, you're desensitized, and you just become of that environment. You you right. have to learn to survive. You know, well, like it's, it's just like you said, you, you get used to anything. You do. You after a bit, like um, I I had to go I had to go back to Bosnia. Um, that's where my dad is from. Um, Man, I had to go back to Bosnia in early '90s. So how old? Uh, twenty. Uh, okay. Nineteen twenty. I I think I just, I think I just turned twenty, and you're supposed to do army time if you're born in that country. Oh, yeah. So, I was supposed to at eighteen or I think nineteen. I was supposed to do like eighteen months, but since I'm 
overseas and I live in America, they'll give you like, here, do six to eight months, right? So like, you're still a Bosnian uh, citizen? You're not a U.S. citizen? or you have I'm, a, citizen? I'm a naturalized U.S. citizen. Okay. Okay. Because um, my mom got her citizenship and they just gave it to me because I was little yeah, kid. little kid. And um, legally, I'm still a Serbian citizen. But since the Yugoslavia broke up, my dad's from Bosnia, so now I'm also a Bosnian citizen and a Serbian citizen. So I got my birth certificate in, in Serbia, but I also have the citizenship in Bosnia. So... Either which way, you got to go to the army. So Serbia at that time was, uh, you know, they were they were putting in troops. You know, they were like, they call them paramilitary. You know, right. you just didn't have the Yugoslavian Serbia patch. You just had whatever patch was in that that area. So I had to do I had to do the army. Um, so I went. I didn't tell anybody. I just went and did it because they told me like, if you don't do it, you can't come back to this country for fifteen years. They they block you from coming entering again. Okay. So I was just like, well, you know, I don't really speak the language great. And they were just like, you speak English, you speak Romanian, we'll put you somewhere uh, in Vojvodina, which is kind of half Romanian, half, you know, Hungarian, half Serbian. I was like, all right, which was bullshit. They put me right on the front line. You know, like they sent me into Bosnia. It was just it was I was fucked, you know. And uh being there, uh there's a stench of dead people that you do not uh you don't forget. When right. you smell dead people, burning flesh, rotting flesh, it's a distinctive smell. It's kind of like a roadkill smell, but more pungent. So to this day, if I'm passing and there's an armadillo or some shit in the, you know, or possum dead in the street, and I smell it, it wafts in my car, it brings me right back to that. Like, it's just, you know, you become, a, you become like a project of your environment. So being there, you learn to survive, you know. Uh, I didn't have to shoot anybody. I was just there in case... Uh, maybe like NATO would come in, you know, the UN, uh, and it was uh, S4 at the time. So if they came in and somebody spoke English, they're like, well, this guy speaks English. Because nobody really, like today, everybody speaks English in Serbia. Right. They, it's a second language. It's bang, bang, bang. But by um, that at that point, it, it just broken off from kind of like being a, a, a Soviet bloc country, right? Yes, and, and then yeah, they yeah, split yeah, up. Yeah, so, I mean, this is eighty nine. It started in Croatia. Every it was uh, five republics. It was Croatia. Slovenia, Bosnia, Serbia, Montenegro, I think it's six, and Macedonia. That broke up into republics. It was then Serbia and Montenegro, that was the Union of Yugoslavia. Macedonia took off, uh, there was the war going on in Croatia, then the war started to pick up in, in 91, 92 in, um, in uh, Bosnia. Bosnia ended up uh, becoming two entities. Croatia just expelled all the Serbs. I mean, I don't want to get into a whole. Yeah, could, yeah. It's a it's a whole history. But thing I mean, they just re sucks. Predominantly, they were they were not teaching English. No, they were not. It was yeah. they were teaching Russian, German, French. You know, yeah. English was like not even. You know, um, the real smart people were taking up Chinese. You know, because you can go into China and you can make money so quick with trading and whatnot. But um, for me, I, I I found my niche there. I was doing translation. So, you know, but still they would put me in areas where you'd hear fighting, you'd see fighting, they'd give me an AK. I was dressed up for the army, but I was like an interpreter, supposedly. Like, this guy speaks English. Everybody else spoke English. All the German people spoke English as a second language. Everybody spoke English as a second language. So they put me there to do that. Um, I finished my stint, came back to the United States. Was it full two years? No, it's uh, seven and a half months. Oh, okay. In total, seven and a half months, which was like, yeah, I thought it was. I thought you typically don't. They they supposed the to give you two. Is two years. Okay. Yeah, two years. They're supposed to give you two years, but um, because uh, me being from America, I, I kind of like also 
purposely spoke broken Serbian. You know, I was just right. like, like really broken. My grammatics were off. I was talking like a second grader. Uh, and they were just like, oh, this guy sucks. He can't speak for shit. Like right. they would tell me something. And I'd be like, what? I don't understand. Meanwhile, I fucking do. You know, right. I was just, I was a good con artist, you know? Right. So whatever, you know, you learn in your environment, whatever you could do. Right. So, I mean, there was times where uh, the Muslim troops are coming in and, you know, whatever. And you have to shoot. I mean, you're just shooting to survive. But it's not like I sat there and I just like, you know, did what I had to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that was an eye opener uh, because I got to see a lot of shit, you know, like coming back, that kind of hardened me. So coming back to the streets in the 90s, the 90s were the shit, you know, it was just everybody, everybody that I grew up with was up and coming. Like everybody was making their bones. Uh, one of my friends got like three bodies already, you know, and it's just like, you know, we're sitting there talking like me and you and he's like, yeah, you know. They, they, there's a rule that they don't talk about it, but some guys are so fucking brazen. They want it to go from person to person. Right. They want the upper, you know, the upper guys to hear and that they can get, you know, indoctrinated in, you know. And this one guy was telling me, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I shot this guy's ear off and then I fucking stabbed him in the fucking eye. And I'm all like, like, okay, you know. I hurt someone's feelings once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I... I I've gotten after that. I've gotten involved in a few stabbings, you right. know, and then I was notoriously known for shooting people in the ass. Well, <laughs> so, if you know anybody from back in the day remembers me, you know, well, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> like honestly, like there, there's a lot of people that are angry. It's just well, okay. I'll tell you what, because I uh, I thought it funny. I used to be drunk all the time, half cocked all the fucking time. So. You know, I'd be sitting in a Serbian establishment. And I don't know. Some guy would pop off and say some stupid shit, you know, and I'd just be like drunk. So now you got, you know, your bravado is more like you, your inhibitions are out the fucking yeah. door. And I'm like, yo, you know who I am. Like, you know, I could I could cause some fucking real harm to you. Yeah. What the fuck you going to do this and that? You're, you're an Italian fucking you with the Italians. Go kiss their balls or whatever. And I'd be like, really? And I just pull out my gun. Bang. Shot the guy right in the fucking hip right right here. The guy fucking goes down. I'm like, yo, boom. Shot him in the other butt cheek. And I was like, yo, fuck you. Now you're going to remember me whenever the fuck you sit down. That's what I was known for. So, yeah. Uh, you know. But you don't want to kill him. No, I never. I never. Right. So I never just... shot anybody in the chest. Right. I mean, you know, there was shootouts that we had where... Um, Guys came to our social club and they just opened, sprayed with a fucking Uzi on us. Uh, we came out, everybody's da, 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 shooting and shit. Uh, there was one one situation with my friend E. I'm not gonna say his full name because he's li living a legit life. Nah, I don't. I don't think he anyone wants anybody to know. But uh, these guys from Howard Beach came to fuck him up, and they come out. They parked their uh, Coupe de Ville right on the right on the corner. They just jumped out and they came out with like bats and whatever and. They're swinging at my boy. My boy's just holding the fucking, the 38 like this, but he can't do it. He can't shoot. He's just like, like, you know, we're like, e, shoot the motherfucker, shoot the motherfucker. They're beating up on one fucking guy. And two guys, I pull out one, this guy, pull, and we just like, we just start shooting this and that. Then he gets the ball. So he's like, pop, pop, pop. Right. This guy jumps across the driver's seat. Like the way he jumped from the passenger to the driver, jumps, just puts the car in gear Puts his, you know, like, uh, hand on the fucking gas. The other guy's sitting in the back seat. He was all fucked up. And um, they just drive away, sideswiping like six, seven cars on the way. <laughs> Finally gets up and takes off. That was just like a regular day, you know, like regular day in, in, in the life in the hood back in the day. I mean, I could talk about it. I could laugh about it now. But right. back then, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't laughing. I was just living. I was surviving, you know. 
So you're in your 20s. 20s, this yeah. Is, this is your 20s. 20s, 20s, yeah. And you're, what's your legitimate, because a lot of the guys, they have like, like they'll have like a legitimate, like they'll be like a butcher, but then at night they're well, using trucks. I was, um, I was working in the uh, maintenance field in the city where I told you before in the garment district, I was working there. That was a night job. It was perfect for me because I'd go in punching at five, I'd leave at 11, I'd get to go to the social clubs and hang out till four or five in the morning. And that's where you hobnob with everybody. That's where you meet everybody. You playing cards, there's an Italian game called scuba, uh, scupa. It's in a Sicilian game. So you play that, I learned how to play that. Then we used to play uh, blood, which is kind of like a rummy, like you play in jail. It's the same, same, right. same, same shit. And we would sit there and play and you'd wait for somebody to come in, you know, just for that one moment to rub elbows with a made guy, to rub elbows with somebody who's got a heist coming up or something, they need an extra person or what, whatever the, whatever it is. Or if somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, my security company works here and here. There's a jewelry store. Yeah, you, you get the gist yeah, yeah. now. So it, for me, it was a perfect opportunity to, to rub elbows with everybody. So my legitimate thing was I was working in maintenance and I kept that. It was good benefits. It was a union job. It was phenomenal, you know. Um, but... You know, there was times where, you know, I couldn't make bail. I got caught for something, you know, uh, it was a week, two weeks at the most that I was ever in. Uh, and I, those two weeks were not fun. I mean, right. you know, Rikers Island, I, I, I'm pretty sure you heard stories about it. You know, yeah. it, it's, it was fucking insane. And, you know, it was run by the blacks and the Hispanics and you had the Latin Kings and the Nietas and whatever. And I, you go in there thinking on the street Italian is something you know, I go in there acting like I'm a cousin. I'm like, hey, how you doing? That doesn't fly when you get into jail. When right. you get into jail, it's all like, you can figure. They'll ask you, where you from? What's your hood? And you say, Bushwick. Or you say, you know, Ridgewood. You know, you say, oh, yeah? You know this guy? And that's what saves you. You'd be like, oh, I know Benji. I know Casper. I know this one. They'd be like, oh, yeah? They get right on the phone, you know? And they'd be like, yo, he's on the up and up. Then they come give you like a little package. That you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. take care, you know, yeah. you know the like deal. When you go to prison, they, the guys will come. Exactly. Out. So, you know, um, then they'd be talking and finding out who you really are. Like, what do you, you know, like, what's your name in the street? And these guys would come back. Oh, he's good. Take care of him. You know, then they came and they asked me because I was there for uh, two weeks, like I said. And like the fourth day they came and they asked me, they're like, uh, you want to run with us? So I thought they were going to like right away brand me or something like I, I didn't know what to expect, right. you know, and they were just like, no, nah, you just run with us. But if we tell you to jump, you jump. You don't ask. You just go how high, you know, I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I was with the Nietas. Uh and they were always at war with Latin Kings. So I was kind of nervous because to me, it's it all looks the same. It's this language is all the same, but it's not, you know, it's, right. each click is different and whatever. So what were you in there for two weeks for? Um, gun possession, stolen car, and uh, I don't know, whatever else. They found some coke in the car or something like that. So they, you know, they, they, they just drum up charges. Uh, <laughs> so the car wasn't stolen? Yeah, it was, but <laughs> that's not a drummed up charge. But it wasn't hot wired. I had keys, oh, okay. you know? So it's, it's just like. It's different. It's different. Well, right. it was in my eyes, you know? And I kept. Right. I, and I actually beat the, uh, the, the Grand Larceny Auto because I was like, it was my friend's car. You know, you know, what's your friend's name? And I'm like, Joe Blow. And they're right. like, you know, because I knew, I knew to look for the registration. I, and I would lie and say the owner of that car was drunk, told me to take the car. You're like, you know, drive, drive him home, uh, take the car, and then use it for my whatever I need, and then come back and leave it by his house or whatever. And, you know, that worked once, that worked twice, you know, wrong place, wrong time, or whatever scenario. But the one time that I got a judge, she was ruthless. She was just... 
she didn't want to hear it. Right. She's like, so I look at your docket and I see that you got one GLA, two GLAs. Now you're going to come with a third and it's the same fucking story, same song and dance? She goes, no, you're guilty. Uh, you know, I got lucky. My lawyer got me five years probation on that. But dude, five years probation, you got to be super careful. You get, you get jammed up on something. They're going to just throw both charges at you or whatever future charge you got. So I, I started to, at that time, again, go back to Bosnia. Um, because, why, I mean, why? Uh, personal reasons. Let's just say shit happened in the streets and uh, feds were coming around. Regular police were coming around asking questions, knocking on doors. Felt like you didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. I just didn't okay. want to answer questions. It was, uh, you know, uh, one of those times where I didn't want to divulge any information because it would have put somebody away. And I just figured if I'm not around, he could, you know, they'll find somebody else eventually, right. you know, to turn on him. I just, I don't believe in ratting. No, you know? don't. Yeah, explain to me when the feds came around looking for me, I didn't want to be there either. I don't want to have that. I don't want to have a conversation with them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Of course, they was, were looking for me. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there was one. There was one murder uh, in ninety. I'm gonna say ninety four. Could be ninety three. There was a there was a murder. This guy, uh, uh, Thomas Shine. He was a Serbian gypsy. Um, he was from uh, Vancouver. Not from Vancouver. I'm sorry, from Montreal, and he comes from a very well known family. Drug dealers, they dabble in everything. Uh, drugs, uh, fake currency, bail, uh, those, um, what do you call those? Barabons, you know, whatever. And he was doing cars. Um, he was doing cars with this other guy that I was in his crew, but I walked away from that guy because the guy was a piece of shit. Uh, he, he stole all my contacts. Uh, every time I had a, a scam going, he got in on my fucking scam, stole my whole fucking scam, got everybody that was working with me to go against me. You know, long story short, fucking yeah, piece yeah. of shit so he was working with that guy and he would come to me in his serbian social club and he'd be like hey this guy's asking this much for cars can you get cheaper i said first you made a deal with this guy you stick with fucking him i don't want to be a part of this shit i said second he's my fucking arch nemesis i, I don't want to deal with him if i see him it's high and goodbye you know i go he's a scumbag i got nothing nice to say about him so frankie again was in this this clique and I just remember one day uh, Frankie pulling up with this guy and Frankie just saying the words, I'm going to fucking cut your fucking head off. And I just looked and I warned Toma. I said, yo, now that the Italians are involved, I don't know how we would operate and how we would make somebody disappear. I said, this guy just gave you green light. Uh, I don't know what you did to fucking ag aggravate him or piss him the fuck off, but you need to square this shit off. Don't come around here because it could happen here right in front of us. Right. Two days later, you know, I come home, whatever, and I see there's police down the block from my house, you know? And I lived off of Main Avenue, like up the block off of Main Avenue. And down there was like all warehouses, you know, a block down. So I see the cops like yellow tape the area off. I'm not thinking anything of it. Next day, my bell's ringing. Eight in the morning, bang, 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 you know? Banging on the door. I come out, I'm like, yeah, there's a fed, there's cops. And just like, you so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, I'm Predrag Reykjavik, yeah. He's like, where were you last night? I was like at the social club, this and that. You got, you know a guy named Thomas Shine? I said, yeah, here and there. They have black and white surveillance. They're, they just whip it out and they show, well, you're hugging this guy and kissing him on the cheek. I go, I said I know him. He goes, no, you were making like you didn't know him. I'm like, no, I fucking know him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so were you with him last night? I was just like, no, two days ago. 
they pull out black and white photos out in front of that fucking Serbian bar, you know? And I'm just like, okay, so what's the deal? He goes, you don't know that he's down the block? I said, what do you mean he's down the block? They're pointing down the block, not his, you know, uh, ambulances, the, you know, the coroners there. You're putting it together now. I just put it together, and I was just like, yeah, I lawyered up. I was just like, I ain't got nothing to say. They're like, you got nothing to say? And, they, you know, they try to press you even after you say you got nothing to say. And I just was like, no, I got nothing to fucking say. They just asked one other question was, where's Frankie Fertolino? So I don't fucking know. I really don't. I go, I see him here and there. I don't know. I go, I'm not answering no more questions. Frankie ended up, it was him. He did it. Yeah. You know, but uh, it was a drug deal gone bad, supposedly. I don't know. He shot him in the fucking, in the neck. We didn't know until like a year after the details to come out. Frankie disappeared. But they, he leaves it down the he lives him down the street from your house. No, they the the body was found down the block from my house. Yeah, they shot him in an Italian social club. They decapitated him. They put his head in the trunk, body in the back, drove the car and left it by the warehouses. They were trying to set the car on fire, but that little area is all like it's just. Um, it's like the lights are out. There's no street lights. It's really dark. So they were going to set the car on fire and they left. It's called Traffic Ave. Traffic Ave is where all the, if you steal a car and you want to do an insurance job, that's where you do it. You know what I'm saying? Down the traffic. Because you can burn it. You can, there's no yeah, surveillance. There's there's no surveillance, no cops. It's, and it's not going to burn there's the no, whole, There's no houses. Down. Exactly. So that that was that. And um, later on in, in the 2000s, Frankie gets picked up for this. And... Uh, Basically, Frankie shot the guy. Another guy cut his head off. Guy was angry as fuck because the guy wasn't going down. The guy was like six fucking six, man, you know? And Frankie's a little guy, so Frankie had to shoot like this. So instead of him shooting him in the head, got him in the fucking neck. This guy went down, but he was grabbing his fucking neck. And the other guy shall remain nameless because he, he was a rat for the feds. He was wearing a wire, but that night he wasn't wearing a wire. <laughs> uh-huh. Cut the guy's fucking head off. and That's a no-no. Yeah, Frankie, Frankie actually got... He got caught cleaning up the mess. So when the cops came in, because the place was under surveillance, they're like, what are you doing? And he's mopping up the blood. He goes, I was told to come in here and clean up. They questioned him, released him. He disappears. He goes MIA for like a year and change. And um, I mean, I keep I keep going around like Frankie's stories. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, yeah. I was going to say, oh, you don't think that he... The guy doesn't like you. You don't think that he maybe put the body there well, on, Frank, hoping it would put heat well, on it's, you? I, that's what I was thinking. Right. You know, the guy that was working with Frankie, I think that guy did that. And, you know, I was kind of known in the street for like the gun thing, shooting people right. in the ass and whatnot. And I guess they saw that I was with him. They probably thought I was trying to muscle in on some some scam or whatever it is. And I did what I did. But, you know, I told him, I'm lawyering up. I'm not going to say a fucking other word. Of course, they came back again and they, you know, they asked me, they were like, uh, what's your lawyer's name? Right. So then I had to get him my fucking lawyer. And then, you know, we went into the precinct and we talked and the Fed guy was there. Now, the Fed guy was there because this was there was a stack like this, like like a file. Yeah. And it was on that other guy and Frankie and the Bananos. And, you know, so they were just trying to tie up loose ends and get whatever. Um, everybody in that little clique, the guy who's a scumbag, him, his girl, uh, four guys in his crew, Frankie, everybody just fucking hightailed it. it they were like mia for like six to eight months frankie was gone frankie said he went back to sicily or something like that but you went to um well after a few months i took off went to bosnia okay i mean it was just i figured you know i got connections over there um because when i was in my teens i made a i made a i met 
a famous Serbian gangster who was at one time head of the Irish mob, the Westies, Bosco Radoncic. So I, I got introduced to him in my in my early teens, and he took a liking to me. And I would see him in the in the Serbian social clubs. He was connected to John Gotti and the Gambinos. So um, I started doing some things, and I'd go by his social club in, in Manhattan, and I start talking to him. And you know, I would frequent places that he would frequent just to rub elbows with him. And I would be like, "Hey, you know, did you hear?" Of course, he heard in the Serbian community that I was boosting cars. I had this great scam on boosting cars, and it it became to the point where. If everybody in the community knows that I'm doing this, well, the, the police are going to get yeah, wind yeah. of it soon. Somebody's going to get pinched for something, and they're going to give me up. We were doing cars with keys. Yeah, I was going to say, what? what is this? Yeah, we were doing is... cars with keys. We had a guy in motor vehicles. So the guy in motor vehicles would give us a fake driver's license. Then we also had another guy that was a great counterfeiter, and he would make driver's licenses. and He would make uh, registrations and everything. So we came up. I came up with the idea. If somebody was to go to a dealer, say Mercedes-Benz, because I had a friend, Serbian guy, who worked as a head mechanic at Porsche Audi in Long Island. So he told me, he goes, oh yeah, the key costs like $95. All they ask for is a registration and a driver's license. My head is clicking. If we're fucking boosting cars, high-end cars, constantly from people's driveways, we have to get a slapjack to pull out the ignition, you know, and put a fucking screwdriver in there or put a pair of pliers and, you know, get it going, you know. I said, what if we got keys? Right. Now, we're getting orders from people in the neighborhood like, oh, yo, I just smacked up my 560. I need, you know, parts. What color do you want? I'll get you the exact color. So with the key, you just walk over, doop, doop, and just get in and drive away like no problem. So we started getting everybody fake IDs. And we would go and scope the aerial out, get the VIN numbers, write them all down, go back and go to the guy in the motor vehicles and say, can you give us a printout of this and this? The guy would, uh, with the f fake IDs, he would give us the name that we wanted. Once we got the registration, we knew who the owner was. We would take the owner's name, put it on that driver's license. They would never check to see how old you are. They would never check anything. As long as you got a nice suit on, we even would pay people. Like, hey, you want to make a quick $250? Just go in there, give him this, give him this license, come take a picture at this guy's house. You know, guys were desperate, they would do it. At one point, we had 125 keys. So 125 keys, and we get 5,000 a car. Nice. On, the, on the quick, on the wow. quick. So it got to the point that everybody in the neighborhood knew about this scam. And because, you know, word of mouth, like one guy would say, hey, you know what, this guy Pedge did this, and this guy did that. And like I said, the guy Bosco heard about me. And he was like, yo, you're making money hand over fist. You're fucking, you're smart, bro. I, I respect that. So I would go, Bosco, at, in 91, uh, because he did a jury tampering case for John Gotti, he fled. He just took off. It, it wasn't really, you know, the mafia was, everybody was getting pinched. That was right before uh, Gravana got pinched and all of that. So Bosco left. He had a casino already in Serbia. He had a casino and a nightclub. So he was a Serbian underlord, you know, over there. He, he had his own crew. He was, he was making hand over fist. He was also involved in a little narco-trafficking. So I went over there and I saw him. Uh, he would put me on with other gangs and whatever. So while I was there, I was making a little money overseas. So that's like when, I, like when the whole thing happened with that guy getting killed and I took off, I would go see Bosco and be like, yo, can you give me some? Can you throw me a bone? Of course, he'd be like, yeah, sure, boom. Go to, go see this guy in Belgrade. Go see this guy in Vershots. Go see this guy in this other you know town. 
man, I'd make a little a little coin. My family didn't like it because there's a um, there's a thing like like when I walk in a room, I have a typical European swag of a gangster or a criminal or a ex boxer or you know karate dude. Everybody says it, you know. Like I don't walk like regular guys. When I walk in, I walk in like I own the place. So Bosco he took that to his advantage. So when I got over there, the guys in the street that were walking saw me walking. They were just like right away, like not questioning me. They were just right. like, "You look like you could take care of yourself." I maybe got into two fights when I was back home, you know. And basically, I did my dirty pool, and I was doing MMA before MMA was big. Like I did uh, hapkido, I did uh, muay thai. I did uh, jujitsu. I was doing it. There was no UFC back then. The UFC was, uh, I think it was the early 90s where they would put up people from different uh, genres. Like, you know, they would put a, a kung fu guy versus a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. It was, it was a shit show. UFC wasn't what it is today. But yeah, so, you know, I would do that and I'd make a few dollars while I was there. And then I'd come back and get my feet wet again here. And the job was always waiting for me. It was a union job. They couldn't fire me. As long as my job was done, I could take a leave of absence at will. So, you know, once you get into the union, you could do stuff like that. So the job was my buffer. Um, you know, it, it kept $1,000 a week in my in my pocket, you know, helped out my mom with the rent and whatever. But um, I was always trying to make some kind of a hustle. I, I got off on it. Like, honestly, like, you know, being entrepreneurial as a, as a kid, you know, I had like three, four different businesses, you know, and it got to the point where I wasn't doing anything. Like I had the guy tinting my windows, etching my windows for me, and I would just take the money. I, I wasn't even DJing anymore. I would just be like, send people out to DJ parties and stuff, and I would be taking money. And um, it was when I did a, a scam or a hustle or something, and I made some money, I never did it too long. Something was always in my gut telling me, after like six months, eight months, like, yo, you're playing this out. You need to back the fuck up. Right. There's guys that still do the same hustle like you were doing your hustle. And people just like a comfort, like, yeah, I, I could do this. I never got comfortable. Like six months, eight months, that was, I did cigarettes. When cigarettes were like, they were taxing the shit out of them in New York. And Giuliani was like, ah, oh, you know, you can't buy, you can't go to the Indian reservations no more. Because I was going to the Indian reservations and buying 500 cartons at a clip. I would right. send four guys with mini with vans and minivans and be like, "Here's the money. Right. Go buy 500 cartons." You know, and then he made a law: you can't buy anything over 300. So I'd be like, going in by 299. You know, and then I had guys going to Virginia, same shit, bringing them in 299. If they get caught going over the bridge, well, it's not a federal offense. You're not, you know, traffic in the cigarettes. You know, you're not trying to avoid the fucking tax thing. It's 299. You know, but um, yeah, I did. I did a lot of. A lot of crimes, a lot of things. Um, do I have regrets? Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, I, got, I have regrets for the things I got caught. All you right. know, uh, I was stupid. Um, there's a lot of things I don't. I don't have regrets. I just, you know, I kick back, have a few beers with my friends, and we relive these times. And I'm like, you remember that? And they're like, yeah, you were the shit. You know. It's it's something. I mean, being fifty four years old now, it's like it's something to look back on. I, I wouldn't want my fucking kid doing any of this shit, honestly. Right. Like that's the reason I came to Florida, because you know, living in Jersey and then like getting divorced, it was just a shit show. I had to go back in the street. Right. Now I was out of the life for a bit. I had to go back into the street to make a hustle because, you know. Uh, I didn't know what else to do. You know, I went back to Queens and I was like right, right back in the street. Like tell my son, stay with grandma. I'll be right back. I come back with like two, 3,000. Like I was just hustling again. 
And I got told, get the fuck out of here. Like, you, 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 what are you doing? You've been clean all this time. Get out. I had people that liked me, you know? But it was... Uh, it's going to go bad eventually. They, they, it, it's just a matter of time. Oh, it's. It, I'll be honest with you. Back in the day, it was golden because... There was no cameras. They couldn't. They couldn't tap into the ATM cameras. Nobody had cell phones. There wasn't the iPhone where you're committing a crime. You got a gun to somebody's head, and they could take a fucking picture. Or you whack somebody. There's surveillance. There's a freaking ring camera on somebody's house. Today they will catch you quick. Yeah. You know. I mean, you have to be super slick, and you got to come up with something like, you know, something that you, you're gonna bang out some money, but don't get greedy. Don't go banging out a lot like you did. <laughs> well, I, you know, what I was gonna say was it, it's it's funny. Because I was thinking this when you were talking. It's like you're, you know, you've got your regular job, mm -hmm. but you're also doing stuff on the side. It's always. like you don't always like to me. I've got two, three hundred thousand dollars in the bank. I'm still flipping properties. I'm still buying properties, renovating them, and selling them. Right. And it's like that's your thing. That's your right. gig. But it's like, but it's it's not even a scam. It's just because I, I always have to be doing. Like, I can't imagine, like, working 40 hours a week and that's it. Like, yeah. what do you mean? What else do you do? Yeah, you always got to oh, be on the move. Hang out with the with your kids and you do this and yeah. your family. And, and I'll be like, I, like, I could, but I could buy this house for 50 grand. And I could yeah. this, you know, on the side. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, which is probably why, you know, most of my family doesn't talk to me. But that's the point. But, you know, the point is, is that, you know, it's, I, I had that, you know, yeah. you've got that hustle drive. Where I you always wanna, had that hustle drive. Yeah. And, Coming here the first two years, I was always on the hustle. Like, you know, I would I would like to look at a dollar and see 10. You know what I mean? So like, but I don't know anybody here. Right. I don't know anybody here. There's nobody here that like, there's not a go-to guy. I was the go-to guy in New York. You needed a car, you came to me. I knew chop shops. I knew, uh, you know, uh, junkyards. I, I, I knew everybody for everything. I knew who, who can smelt gold down, who could fucking cut diamonds. I knew everybody for everything. I was the go-to guy. That was my thing. I loved it when I went somewhere and somebody said, hey, what you got going on? And I'm like, well, what do you need? Right. Hey, man, uh, we just got a score, you know, and they show me a diamond ring. And I'm like, oh, that's a nice fucking rock. We can cut this into like five rocks. So, you know? so I'd be like, let me take it to my guy. And, you know, you got to trust me now. So I go to my guy. And my guy goes, oh, pff, dude, I'll give you 20 grand for it right now. I call him up and be like, yo, my bad. He's only going to give you 15. I said, right. you know my cut. I mean, okay, guys, I, I right. shouldn't be saying this now because guys are going to be looking <laughs> like, back and be like, what a fucking scumbag, yeah. you know? But, yo, that's the, that's the part of the game, you know? I would never take anybody with me to go to my connect right. because I've gotten scumbagged in the past. I've yeah, got yeah. people that, that have taken me for a ride and went and undercut me and went straight, you know? Um, but, I mean, I've dabbled in everything. I've, da I've dabbled in weed. Um, most of the guys that I dabbled with, now they're all legit, you know? They all got... Um, legit uh what do you call them, smoke shops or whatever in, in the right. city so they're all making hand over fist because it's all legal in new york i don't i don't know why anybody would be like doing illegal weed now like do you ever have anybody um uh reach out to you and say hey i got this thing i need you to and i'll be honest in the beginning yeah um it was like you know favors would get called in like hey ped you know uh you got to connect for this and this i'd be like yeah and i'd be like my head would just the way you said in your one of your podcasts like I'd be like, wow, my head would be like just figuring how I can make money. What You know, like it was right. just the excitement of it, like all over again. I get all tingly, but I'd have to pull the reins back, look right. at my kid and be like, you know, I'm 50 some years old. I could go away for a long fucking time. Um, I mean, I could do the favor. So what I would end up doing is I'd reach out to my guy 
and I would just it, it, it remove myself from the situation. You know, right. from that equation, I would remove myself. So I would tell my guy, look, you want to bless me? You want to send me a little something, something from my kid? I appreciate it. If not, I'm out. You could have my connect. He's going to call you. Just call him on a burner and do what you need to do. And that was it. And once I started getting into that habit, it was easier to just separate myself from that life. Right. And eventually, most of those guys get pinched anyway. So yeah. they're not reaching out to you as much as time goes on. So you get to remove yourself from this situation. But it's also, there's a, there's a saying in Serbian, a face not seen is a face forgotten. So you're not in that life. You're not rubbing elbows with these people on a regular basis. You're not playing cards with them. They don't see you in the hood anymore. You're a face forgotten. So, uh, you know, like I'd reach out to a couple of guys. Hey, what's up? They wouldn't have time for me. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you know, I'm doing something. I'll hit you up later. Yeah, Never fucking hit me up. So it it's it, it kind of sucks. But yeah, then I have all these good. stories. I have all this, you know. It's, it's for the better. It No, it, it really is. End. It really is. Because my kid, um, once we, we moved back to Queens and my son started to literally see what it was like. My son saw when we used to go see grandma, people would say, hey, Pedge, how you doing, this and that. My son got to see that. A few guys would come up and put a 50 on him and say, hey, good luck, kid, this is for you, you know, like a little blessing. But once we had to go back to Queens and I'd go to like pizzerias and I would be ordering calamar, clams, this, calzones, nothing, everything would be on the cuff. They would never charge me. Like, oh, it's good, Pedge, don't worry about it. I owe like $60, $70 worth of food. Ah, Pedge, don't worry about it. It's okay. I'd blow red lights. Cops would pull me over. I'd have like 18 PBA cards. I'd be like, here you go. Oh, ah, yeah, I know who you run away. Yeah, you know. They'd let me go. They'd be like, just, you know, don't go so fast. You know, don't go through the red light like that. Don't just blow it. My son saw this and he thought it was, he thought it was Grand Theft Auto. He thought it was yeah. Nico Belic. Nico Belic is a Serbian guy from Bosnia. So my son is like playing Grand Theft Auto going, dad, are you this guy in the video game? And I'm like, what do you say to the kid? I'm just like, you know. And then it just so happens, one day there's a block party down the block from the house, and an Italian guy turns the corner. And I've been telling my kid all these stories, like, you know, about me and my past and everything. I mean, he's heard me talking to other people. And there was this guy, Joe. He was supposed to clip me. And um, he was supposed to clip me because this guy said, Pedge this and this, and he lied. And this guy just came. He was, he was, he was one of those shooter guys, you know. And he just came, and he came into my bar, and he just, and I see him with the gun. I'm all like, yo, Joe, what are you doing here? And he's just like, Pedge, I don't know, be I'm hearing words, you know, this guy said this and this. I was like, you believe that? He goes, no, but I was told to come in. I was like, yo, do what you got to do because this is bullshit. This guy's lying. He's like, that's what I said. So we ended up having to sit down about that. But this guy came to, came to whack me, came to right. clip me. So I told my son about this. This guy turns the corner. And then my son turns around. And this guy's talking to him, going, this is your little man. Oh, my God, Mink. Yeah, you know, starts hugging my kid. He goes, your father's a man of respect. He's a good man. You know, look up to him, you know, and he gives him a little money. He goes, hey, good seeing you, Patch. Kissing me on the cheek, takes off. I go to my son, Marco. I go, hey, see that guy? He goes, yeah. I go, that's the guy that tried to kill me. My son couldn't fathom why I was kissing this guy on the cheek. And I said, business is business. This is the life. Now, are you so happy about thinking that I'm Nico Belich from Grand Theft Auto? Right. And then my son was like, no. I said, I have to look over my shoulder. I said, Marco, I'm going to be honest with you. We need to leave. We need to get the fuck out of here. Pick a fucking state. Of course, my son is going to pick Florida because we'd come here three times a year. You know, it was me and him. It wasn't Disney. me and my ex-wife. Yeah, Disney. We'd go to fucking uh, Tampa. We'd go to the zoo. You know, we would do everything. We'd go to Space Center. You know, it was always the same thing. And I, and I bought a condo on Siesta Key. So my condo was my base of operations. 
then I'd come and hang out in Tampa by my godfather's house. And then I'd rent a hotel in Orlando and I'd go and spend five days there and hit everything. Hit Hollywood Studios, hit, you know, hit Disney. My son loved it here. And he goes, Florida. It's like, I fucking hate Florida. I said, I said, but for you, you know, my parents came to the United States for a better life. I said, for you, I'll do it. I go, and plus, I don't want you walking in my fucking footsteps at all. And it was the hardest thing. I used to sit here and curse Florida. I used to be like, I fucking hate it here. Because, you know, going from that atmosphere where you know everybody, you were a wanted, you were a wanted guy. Everybody loved you. Everybody feared you. You know, I don't have that here. You know, I walk down the street, I'm nobody. Right. First year I was here, a skinhead fucking tried to step to me. Literally in the mall. Stepped to me, said some shit. It was, called me like a fucking juice head or something. And I was like a little bit more jacked up than I am now. I turned around, I was like, who, who the fuck you think you're talking to? The guy goes, oh, what are you going to fucking do about it? He's got a Nazi swastika here. He's got, I mean, he's like tatted up. He's got at least like seven inches on me, 30 pounds on me. And I'm just like, yo, I'm going to warn you right now. I know fucking MMA. Second, I don't think you know who the fuck I am. And he's just like, pulls out a fucking knife. I was just like, like he pulled out a fucking knife. And I was right. just like, yo, for real? And I just go to swing on him. He starts running. His wife pulls out a box cutter and starts like swiping at my fucking girlfriend. My girlfriend's taking a fucking bag and she's just fucking hit her with a Michael Kors bag. Bang, bang. I'm flying down the escalator. Yo, this is in the middle of the mall. And I'm just going like, fuck this. Now I'm in Florida. I said, call the fucking cops. I was like, because I'm going to murder this guy. Like call right. the cops before I murder this guy. I chase him out into the parking lot. Cops are there. Six fucking squad cars. And make a long story short, the cops are yelling at me. Because I'm going, yeah, you know what? If you want to come see me, I work at a fucking uh, LA Fitness on 580. Come see me, you motherfucker. And the cops are going, shut the fuck up. Because if this guy slips in the shower and bumps his fucking head and dies, yeah. we're coming for you. And I'm just like, all right. And my son is watching us like nothing, you know. And my my girl keeps trying to get him in, in between. And I just, my girl's a little, little short, little stubby little girl, man. It's tough. <laughs> I pushed her, I flung her into Macy's. Like, f my son was just like shaking his head going, don't fuck with my dad, my dad will fling you, like, you know? But yeah, I got, I got tested when I was first here. It is what it is. I mean, now I've learned to control my temper, you know? It's like, the is, here, you'll never see that guy again. No. In New York, you, no. you might bump into him five oh, times in the yeah, next six Yeah, you will. Months. Yeah, next time I gotta take care of him, for real. Like, I gotta fucking bat him, stab him, shoot him, do something. But yeah, I mean, and now I carry a gun legit because, you know, my record's expunged and I'm all legit now. And, you know, it's funny. I used to pull out that gun so fucking quick. Man, I don't even pull that shit out now. Like, right. for real. It's like, I warned the person, like, yo, back the fuck. I don't want I don't want any fucking problems. Like, I had, I had a few altercations in the gym where I'm like, yo, for real, I'll grab a fucking dumbbell and crack you in the head. Like, do you know who I am? And I, I here I am saying this. Like, do you know who I am? I'm like, I'm nobody. Like, I was that person. Right. I just need to, like, yo, let's go outside and take care of it. I'll show you who I am. Now it's like, I just kind of like ignore shit. Like, you know, I go to the gym, I get my, you know, I get my swell on, my son works out with me. You know, it is what it is. I got some haters that talk some shit that I'm on juice. Like for real, dude, if I was on juice, you don't think I'd be like fucking 19, 20 inch arms? Like for real, like it's insane, bro. I was going to say, you're not? I mean, I, I'm I, not. No, I, this I, is only 17 and a half inch arms, but I was way bigger before. I bro, I take tests. I mean, you know, got it from, yeah, the, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. doctor. You go in, they're like, yeah. they test your shit and they're like, here, let me give you something. Yeah. You get older and they'll they'll you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 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 an older guy now. I am. You're my bro. age. We're yeah. 
We're, I was born Same. in 69. Yeah. Me too, 69, yeah. bro. Listen, yeah. everything's not... It, yeah. You go to the gym and, and I hurt for four days afterwards. Oh, no, it's I'm... Like, I, I used to be able to train like so intense. I can't... Tra I cannot train right intense. Now. I've had four surgeries back to back. Mm. I, I've torn uh, ligaments. I've torn like the tricep tendon. This was a bad surgery here in Florida. I had to get surgery four times. The guy screwed me up the first time I went to another doctor. That guy screwed me up twice. Put in a screw. The screw was popping out of my skin. So I went to a guy in Tampa that uh, does Navy SEALs. This guy goes, yo, listen. He goes, I'm going to cut you. I'll put a cadaver tendon in there. I'll stretch it out, all of this. He goes, you won't be 100%, but you'll be 75 to 80. I'm 75 to 80. I right. am. But I can't, I can't train intense. I used to be able to do like 120-pound dumbbells. Fuck. If I do 70s, and I do 70s for reps, I do like 35, 40 reps, sets of four, you know? Um, my son's pretty fucking jacked up too, and everybody in the gym was saying shit like, I'm my son on fucking juice. And I'm like, I don't. My son, my son is stockier than me. Like, when, when I was my son's age, I was a fucking crackhead. I was like so skinny. My son... Very stocky, takes after his mom. Very stocky, five seven. He's kind of like your build, you know. But he just he works out. That's all he does. Comes with me, does the routine. I was five seven. Are you not five seven? No, I'm like five six. Oh, one inch, right? Really? Listen, it means a lot. Put lifts in. Put lifts in your shoes, man. I mean that one inch. That's with the lifts. Insane. How do you? So the the guy that connected us is is punch. Yes, I've done an interview with him. We're supposed to be doing another one. How do you know him? Okay, because so, he's got a story that. Oh, dude, dude, I um, I did another podcast before, and that's how I brought up the situation of uh, and the stories about the Serbian mob. Because I want to plant the flag, I want to plant the flag for the Serbian uh, um, community because you know it's great that I was a mob associate with the Gambinos and the Bananos. It's it's all it's all you know, it's all uh, peaches and and cream, but. I was running around with the with the Serbians and I was in that circle and you know I just thought it, it's about time we get some respect. Albanians are getting respect because they're dealing drugs, they're narco trafficking. Why can't Serbians get respect? I mean, and I knew the stories about the Pink Panthers because I met uh, Pavel Stanimirovic Punch. I met his dad Vojislav uh, uh, Stanimirovic. I met him. I got introduced to him in a club called Dubrovnik in Manhattan by Bosco Radoncic, head of the Westies. He was a big Serbian gangster, and he introduced me to him. I was 17 years old when I first met him. So he goes to me, hey, this is, say, Uncle Voya. So I said, Uncle Voya in Serbian is Chika Voya. So I was like, nice to meet you, Chika Voya. Bosco vouches for me by saying, good kid, he's an earner. So he goes to me, if you ever have something you want to get rid of, come see me. Gives me his business card something painting or some shit like they had a painting company like a side fucking like a side gig right and um i remember one time uh we uh we robbed the jeweler that was on his way home and he was we heard from somebody that worked there that he was gonna have a lot of shit on him you know bars and and diamonds and loose stuff and whatever so we waited put a gun to his head with masks took his fucking shit and i was the guy to get rid of it like you know can you get rid of this yes yeah. so i went to Punch's dad. And Punch's dad was just like, oh, this is a good fucking score with the little eye thing. And he's looking to go, this right. is fucking phenomenal. He goes, you're a good... And of course, he's like, oh, I could only give you 60 on the dollar. You know, he's got to make his fucking money. He's yeah. the guy who's going to get rid of it, you know? Um, as the years went by, I mean, we weren't really doing like jewelry heists, but there was always the occasional, you know, somebody I knew would like rob somebody of like an enormous amount of silver 
uh, or gold or whatever it is. And they'd be like, Pedge, can you get rid of it? Because if you go and you try to melt it yourself and get rid of it, you have to go from place to place to place. And people ask questions and they want to give you shit money on the dollar. Mm. So I'd be like, yeah. I said, but you got to pay me a finder's fee. So I would always be like, that's my finder's fee, you know? And I'd get there and I'd call them up and be like, go to a payphone and be like, oh, he said he's only gonna give you this much. Of course I'd tag a couple of a couple of G's on there. Then there was times when um, uh, I had some Rolexes, you know, stolen Rolexes. Uh, when we were boosting cars, there was different crews of guys boosting cars. Some people would leave their Rollies in the car. Sometimes you, um, the, the, the key would be there to go into the person's house They'd see that there was nobody home. How they got in, they got in. Um, they would steal the jewelry. They would steal the Rolexes, uh, Patek Philippe's, whatever it was. Who do you know to get rid of that? You can't go to a fucking... You got to have somebody you know in the jewelry district. I used to go to Punch's dad. Punch's dad would be like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, this we can't move. What? It's like a one in 40 piece. Like only 40 of them are made. He goes... Let me hold on to it. I'll see if I can get you at least twenty, twenty-five thousand for it. You know, of course, I'd lowball the thing and be like, oh, "You can only get you fifteen or whatever." All right. um, I started getting known as the watch guy for a while because I was getting stolen watches. Guys would get credit cards, go to Turno Corner in the city, buy like bang out three, four fucking watches, come back to me and be like, uh, "Get me four grand for this Rolex." I'd be like, "It's an eight thousand dollar Rolex. Just get me four grand." Be like, "Okay," you know, like box comes with the papers everything i'd go around to the cafes and be like anybody want a roly for six they'd right. be like oh i'll give you uh five and a half you know I st i'm still making yeah. money the guy wanted four hundred bucks yeah. yeah and then back then i mean that's money i mean i mean for me it was a lot of money you know i i, I would get a thousand dollars i moved three watches yeah, fifteen hundred bucks for for being in the bar anyway exactly you know exactly like, so that's that's kind of coming what you know when i said well i have my steady job but Doing what I was doing, I had to like spend all this time in these areas, and I would like, I mean, half the shit that I have, this is stolen. Like, I mean, I mean, like, dude, this is fucking. I mean, this is one of my classics. It's a Bentley. It's like I love this fucking shit. You know, uh, I got a couple of Rollies home. Some of them are legit. Some of them are not. I mean, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, you know, uh, it's the spoils. You know, I mean, like, this is all I have. I have a watch collection now. You know, and I have jewelry. I was gonna wear my chain. And if I would have wore it, I thought it would have been a little bit much. It's like a 200-gram chain with a big cross like this. The priests don't even wear crosses this big. It's got like seven carats and diamonds in it, custom-made cross. Um, I was going to wear that, but I was just like, you know, I don't want to show off. I'll just wear this, you know. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, it's funny. When I owned the mortgage company, I would have a, a customer come in and like they'd been on their job for five years. Yeah. They have 750 credit scores. Yep. They had their deposit in the bank. Yep. They had, like, you know, you're looking at them like, this is a perfect customer. And I would call one of the brokers and give it to the broker because I wasn't interested. Like, I'm yeah, not interested yeah. in this perfect loan. Of this course. I can go to Bank of America. Like, I don't want to deal with him. No, you don't. I wanted the guy that, oh, you don't claim taxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. The, 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 the seller's giving you your down payment on yeah. the side. I got to make some... The All finagle. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's could, the way you do it. Yeah, because yeah. you could charge more money. You could of do course. That. And it was of a course. challenge. It was fun. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah, exactly. The guy that can go to his credit union is nah. like, oh, I don't want to deal nah. with you. You're going to be argue, arguing about interest rates with me. I, I don't want to. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, that that was my thing, too. I loved the hustle. It was like uh, it was like a high. You know, like when I spoke to Punch a few times, and Punch was telling me about, like, he would get, like, a hard-on because he was doing a heist. You know what I mean? Like, he'd be just like, yo, he goes, I'd, I'd be so hard I can cut diamonds with my dick. You know? Like, I'd be like, what? He goes, yo, he goes, I'd be sitting there like, oh, I would just want to punch the fucking safe and get in and out. And he he was a master. He was not on the streets to punch into a safe quick. 
How he did it, I don't fucking know. I don't care. Right. He did it. I mean, you know, one of his downfalls was when he first did one of his heists, he, uh, I heard this rumor in the street, and reading his book, it vindicates it. Um, he went into to punch into the safe, and there was bags of money when he got in the safe on the floor that he just kicked the yeah. fucking bags over. Well, they were they were bags, but he didn't know they he were full of money. No, no, right, right. He didn't think to check. He just was like, "Let me get the diamonds. Let me get the gold." You know, he he came away with I, f I forgot I think like eight million in, in gems, and it was twenty million in cash on the fucking floor. That the next day, his dad was like, "Hello, stupid." You, did you read this? And he's like, what? The feds are going to be all over us now. Like, you know, because they were the original Pink Panthers. The Pink Panthers came from Europe. Right. And that's why I try to plant the flag. I want credit where credit is due. Serbians are the ones, the innovators of the Pink Panthers. To this day, it's predominantly Serbians that are doing all these Monaco heists and the Beyonce thing. And Well, these are like X. These are like X. Some are X. Are, are some yes, some, some are X. Some are just, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, hooligans, soccer hooligans, right. guys that have that swag. When they walk into a room, they walk shoulders flaring, and they just got fucking balls of steel. They don't give a shit. They're meticulous. They plan this shit. It's guys that have been doing it for years, teach a younger generation. They break off. They have another crew. You got one in Belgium. You got one in France. You got one in England. You got, you got them all fucking over, you know? And like I said, I just wanted to plant that flag and... I did a podcast where I planted the fucking flag. I got like whatever I got, how many views I got. Punch happened to see it, and he right. reached out to me. And he's just like, yo, dude, why didn't you reach out to me you know, sooner? And I'm just like, for what? I mean, we're not doing anything. Like, I haven't right. seen you in fucking 20 years, man, 15 years. Since, you know, before you went in the first time, like second time, actually. And, you know, I just wanted to touch base with him a couple of times about the book. I love the book. It's like his book is my life minus my name. Like, right. you know, except for the heists and like that he was doing these, he was doing some fucking high end shit, man. Some, some of them were worth like fucking 15, 20, 40 million. But the guys that he was in that circle, we all were in that circle. He's got a guy, Sava Boxer. That guy worked my door. He was a mentor to me when I was growing up. Uh, he, he was the one that told me, you, you, you love being Serbian, take your double-headed eagle and put it inside. He goes, you don't need to put a target on your back. Nobody needs to know what the fuck you are. You, you're a good chameleon. When you're with Spanish people, you look Spanish and act Spanish. When you're with Serbians, you speak and act. When you're with Italians, you speak and act. He goes, that's what you need to do. He was a big mentor to me. Then there was the guy that Punch had in his book, uh, Jovan Pudar. He's a Serbian boxer. He went pro. He worked for me. I gave him his first fucking job. He worked for me at my fucking bar, you know? And I think that's where Punch came into my fucking bar. I was really busy at the time, but Punch came in and Punch was looking for me. And then he got locked up again because, you know, he, he was doing a lot of fucking careless shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, carjacking. Uh, I mean, you name it, he was doing it. Well, I was just. He was just getting off on it. The interview was, you know, like, like I told you, his um, his Wi-Fi was messed up. But yeah. it was the stories that, you know. He needs to come out got, and he, he needs to put us on the map. Okay, Punch, you need to come and put us on the map. He has a great story. He has yeah. a great story. Yeah, and here's what's even funnier is that. So I did his interview, right? Like yeah. we, we never released it. We, right. we, 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 but what happened was. So, and I want, you know, he's supposed to come down from, come down from, uh, New York or wherever he is, mm -hmm. um, and do a, a podcast. But I saw a a documentary called I want to say it was it's something about Spider Man. They were calling this guy Spider Man. He right. was he was in France right. robbing and he was 
he would climb up the side of a building, yes, yeah. jump from building to building. Yep. It, it, it's, it's insane. And yeah. the whole documentary is really only about five people. Yeah. Like they did this whole documentary. They only talked to him and like four other people. Well, that guy was probably a gymnast where he worked for the circus. He was, listen, he was super strong. Yeah. Amazing. Like his story is really cool. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's a great story, mm-hmm. but he's got nothing on Punch. Oh, yeah. Like Punch's oh, yeah. stories. This guy's basically burglarizing residences. Punch is burglarizing. Uh, Fucking 50, 47th Street, the Diamond District. Right, the Diamond District. He's going into, into actual commercial buildings. It's and, insane. And, and it, it fixing the alarms, cutting through the drywall to to get around this, you know, punching through the, going into the safes, the whole thing. And he's leaving with, this guy's leaving with like jewelry. This, yeah. No, this is leaving with like millions of dollars. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's insane because like we knew who Punch was in the streets. We all knew, you know, and, um, the stories, the rumors that was circulating—it was just—it was just insane. And I said it on another podcast, and I'm going to say it here. I said, you know, everybody that I was growing up with was like, "Oh, Lufthansa heist was the biggest heist," you know. And everybody's just like all making out this thing to be the biggest thing ever. Right. But to me, it's like a freaking gumball machine because, honestly, Punch and his dad and his crew and everything were doing multi-million dollar heists. He was at 16 years old doing these fucking heists. 15. This guy was. Taking in 15, 20 million, 30 million. I don't know what his biggest scores were, but people were talking about it in the streets. And like I said, I wanted to plant that flag. And he needs to come on the show and plant the flag because um, that group, that criminal enterprise, a lot of guys went into different directions. A lot of guys started becoming um, heavy hitters in the sense like some guys went back to Serbia, working with other other criminal gangs. Some guys worked for, for Bosco, as I said. Um, other guys were making up their own little, you know, like they come and work for Punch's dad. And um, he would teach them the ropes. they bring to the table what they were good at. Like I said, uh, maybe this guy was an acrobat. Maybe this guy would work as a, he was a gymnast or he worked. He was an Olympic gymnast or whatever. Those things come into play when you're doing that kind of crime. Right. I mean, there's, there's stories that he wrote in his book that I laugh about because I heard where they had to scale a pole to get into the building. You know, like, you know, the guy's got like 40 pounds of, of silver and gold on, plus he's a big, tall dude. He slides down, he almost breaks his leg. You know, it's it's insane shit that they were doing, you know? Or they would like, uh, there was one story um, where they left acetylene torches in the building. And nobody, because in Manhattan, nobody, there's tanks everywhere on the street. There's not high, uh, hydrogen tanks on the street and everything. Nobody thought this guy left it on the loading dock. Fucking for two days. Comes the fucking weekend. He has a connection with the security company. He shuts off the security. Goes offline. He goes in. Pretends he's a worker. They come in with dollies, this and that. They go to the loading dock. Take the acetylene torches. Cut through. Walk away. Nobody questions shit. I mean, he's got a pair of nuts on him. I'm serious. Like, half the shit he did. I mean, I did some crazy shit. And he says to me, I wish you were there, you know, just to sit in the car. Fuck that. I'd be shitting pickles. Like... You know, I've done little heists where I was fucking scared shitless. Right. Could you imagine like a $20 million heist? I'd No way. I'd be like, I don't know if I'd be able to go through it. I mean, maybe the adrenaline would fucking kind of push me. It, but It's so funny, too, because I'll, I've talked to guys who have done like home invasions where they right. broke into jewelry stores. And it's like, to them, they're like, oh, it's no risk. Like, because like, we were in and out. But to yeah. me, it's like, bro, that's... No. that's the a, longest part of your life. Yeah, that's, the, that's a problem where... You talk to other guys who plan it for two or three weeks and they're in the building for hours and you're yes. like, 
That would be terrifying. Like either one of those scenarios really is terrifying. But the guys that run in and the smash and grab guys think these guys are idiots. And these guys think the smash and grab guys are idiots. Yeah. It's it's what your comfort level is. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like maybe if I would have been asked back in the day to do something and maybe if I would have got my feet wet, maybe I would have got that hard on to want to do that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, Punch always tells me like, oh, he goes, dude, you skirted the law great he goes you never did hard time you never and i'm like yeah he goes i look up to you for that i'm like are you nuts like you look up to me i go look at you i go i made fucking peanuts compared to you he goes yeah but you were in that life you got to do the hustle that you liked he goes something told you like don't stay in it long and he goes i wish i could have did that he goes i was something was telling me don't do it i would just go and do it anyway he goes till i finally would get caught you know i just was like i don't know i mean for me i think if i would have got Slam with some hard time. I think that would have fucking really woke me to fuck up for oh, yeah, real. This definitely woke me up. I, listen, I I honestly think talk talked to this FBI agent the other day. Uh, did a podcast with her, and I was saying like honestly, the first time I got in trouble, like if, if they'd given me a year or two, I I probably be right then been like, you know what, I'm done. I'm yeah, done. Yeah, I'm gonna go get a job. I'm gonna sell used cars. I'm good. Yeah, you know because. But, yeah, but then instead, again, a year, you would have oh. did your year and you would have made connections on the inside and you would have came out and been like, I, oh, I, gotta, I was pretty cocky. Like, I also yeah, think. Well, age, you're young, dumb, and full of cum. Age takes a lot of. To it, do does, it. It, it does. It does. You get to a point where you start going, is it worth screaming no. at, you know, getting, is no. it worth turning no. this into something? No. Or walk away. Like, if this goes wrong, I'm going to do this much time and the whole time I'm going to be like, what did I do? When, you know what, I can just do without. How old were you when you start, first started? Like in 20s? Um, uh, late 20s, I was late 29, 20s. 30, yeah. yeah. And then went for, you know, didn't end up going to prison till mm-hmm. like 37, 38. You thought you were invincible. I thought, I was, of course. I'm I'm Superman a, of mor- mortgages. Of course, I'm an <laughs> arrogant prick, you know, just, of course. you know, just think nothing can touch me. They're never going to, they're not smart enough to catch me. Yeah. It's just a jerk off. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, you said, do I have regrets? Every once in a while, y'all talk to somebody and they're like, you you heard well no because it makes me the person I am today, bro. Come on, man. I I you did know, thirteen years. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm tell you a quick story. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I, got, I got a big regret. One regret I got. I, I shot a dude. All right, and my son was just born. And you know, after my son coming into life, you know, this was eating at me. This one specific specific guy was. He didn't have it coming to him. He did, I wasn't drunk. It was over a fucking card game. I just didn't like the way he was shuffling the fucking cards. He was doing this the whole time. I was like, you're making me nervous. Stop doing that. Then he would like throw the cards and go, give me a new deck. This went on for like fucking three hours. And I just, boom, you know, did what I had to do. Um, I went to go see my priest. I'm very kind of religious, if you can believe that. But I went to go see the priest. And I told the priest, I said, you know, uh, in our church, uh, I'm, I'm Serbian Orthodox. So you got 2,000 parishioners and then the priest goes, does anybody want to, you know, confess? You have to go in front of every fucking body. He pulls up the cape, puts the cape over you, and you tell him what you did wrong. So I said, I shot a guy. Yo, he jerked the cape like this. He went like that. He looked at everybody like with, like guilt on his face, like he did it. Now everybody's looking at me going, they know who the fuck I am. And they're like, oh, what did he do wrong now? What, what is he trying to be like fucking, for, you know, forgiven about? Now everybody's like wondering, whispering, you know. The priest goes, I want you to stay after mass. I want to talk to you. All right. But before you leave, go put money on this icon. Pray to this icon. Give me 10 Hail Marys. Give me 11 Our Fathers. You know, I went there. I did all of that. I waited. Yo, he chewed my fucking ear off. And he goes, you know what? You want to make this right with God? You really want to be forgiven? I said, yeah. I go, you know me. I don't have a fucking care in the world. I don't care that I stole fucking cars. I don't care that I don't give a shit that I shot other guys in the ass. 
He goes, but this guy's sticking out to you. Yeah. Go find him. Go knock on his door. Ask for forgiveness. I said, are you fucking nuts? I go, this guy's probably a made guy in the fucking Gambinos now. He goes, you got to do it. I said, that's poking the fucking bear the wrong way. I may not come out of this. He goes, that's the only way God will forgive you. Thought about it for a week. Found him. Went to Long Island. Went to this big ass house. I'm like, this has got a Mercedes in the driveway. I'm like, this, this motherfucker is going to, he's going to cap me right here. Knock on the door, ring the bell, knock on the door. He opens, he comes like limping. Like, oh. you know, I see him through the thing. How long had it been? Um, 15 years, 13, 15 years. <laughs> still limping? Yeah, like. That's not good. I, I, I hit him bad. So, I mean, I heard in the street that like he's one leg is shorter than the other. So, make a long story short, like I always do, but he opens the door, his face just, you know, dropped. He goes, fuck you on. I said, yo, um, this has been sitting on my conscience. It's been eating at me. I did you wrong. He just went, spat. I mean, loogie. It was like right in my eye. I was like, I got to get an AIDS test after this. They're like, (laughs) he did that. And he goes, you got a lot of balls coming to my fucking house. You know who the fuck I am? I said, well, if you were really fucking somebody, I go, I wouldn't be standing here. I said, I just wanted to. And he just slams the fucking door. And I was just like, I'm going to need to go see my, my guy Bobby Glasses about this because this could end up being really bad. Now, I poked this fucking bear, you know. And I came back. I went to go see Bobby, sat down with Bobby. He was a big guy in the Gambinos, Bobby Glasses. And um, Bobby was like, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to see if this guy wants to make a fucking beef on this, you know. He goes, it's been so long ago, you know. I was like, but is he somebody? He goes, he's an associate. He makes fucking money. But he was really scared of me. You know, he and I heard that he tried to get people to like off me, not to pay money, but like he was trying to pit people against me, like, oh, Pedge is this, Pedge is that. Yeah, Pedge shot me, but you know, whatever the story may be. And um, nothing ever, you know, came, came to fruition for him. And Bobby said, he's not going to bother you no more. He said, it took a lot of balls for you to come there, but he doesn't forgive you. I said, but I got a kid now. I'm like looking over my shoulder. He goes, but why'd you go over there and poke that bear? I said, my priest told me, oh, you got a conscience now. <laughs> I said, it, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like I, like I said, I've done a lot of shit wrong. And maybe because I was drunk or I was high or whatever the story may be, I have no regrets. This one dude, it ate at me. It ate at me and ate at me. And I looked at my kid. And that's the real reason why I pulled out of that life. I had a little money on the street. I was doing a couple of scams, you know, I did a couple of credit card things, I was going to AC, banging out cards, I went to Vegas, I got jammed up there, um, but I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna stay with my kid, like, and I raised my kid, my ex-wife was a horrible fucking person, she got up after 30 days and went back to fucking work, so I basically raised, I was this, kid, this kid's mother and father. And, you know, having a kid with colic for three months crying on you, you know, and you, the only way they could sleep is hearing your heartbeat. That just ate me to fuck up, you know? Like, it, it was just like, I don't want this kid growing up like I grew up. Right. I don't want this kid walking in my footsteps. I don't want him to look up to me because I'm a gangster. I want him to look up to me because he looks up to me. Right. And he changed my life. And then that's why I said, let me get a house in Jersey. Let me move out of the neighborhood. Because I was told by Bobby Glasses, leave. If you leave this neighborhood, it's, it's in your rear view. The further you can get away, the better. So I was 45 minutes to an hour away. 
you know, in the beginning, you come back to the neighborhood constantly. But if you got to keep driving, going into midtown traffic and all. Well, like you said, you're not around, so you stop being involved in all that stuff. Exactly. Actually, yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a couple of weed spots. You know, I was selling weed through, through uh, um, barbershops. So I would just go and collect. After a while, I didn't even go collect. I had my mom collect. So I would be like, yo, mom, just, you know, my mom was like, what? I'm like, the guy's going to come and give you an envelope. Count the fucking money. She'd call me out and be like, there's like 5,800 in one envelope and there's like 10,200. What are you doing? And I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Take 100 for yourself, you know, for counting and take for groceries or whatever. You know, I, I tried to. She was living in my building. It was rent free. So. Right. But, um, you know, once I was out there and I, I, you know, teaching my son how to play sports, I had a big acre of land, big backyard, trampoline. Me and him would. It was just the best times of my fucking life, you know? Right. And, um,. That was it. I stopped going. I got rid of the weed spots, sold them to some fucking guy, competitor. I was like, take them over. Give me this much. You know, give me my tax, and that's it. I'm out, you know? And I just didn't do anything. But when I got divorced and I got cancer, uh, colon cancer, uh, guy, yeah, I got diagnosed um, with stage two twice. I got, I got a problem with polyps. They told me I got like fertile land inside of me, like where right. the polyps just grow. I'm a big meat eater. You know, I eat a lot of meat. And Serbians eat a lot of pork, a lot of beef, you know, just a lot of meat in general. And um, first time, stage two, they pulled it out. Second time, stage two, same fucking place. It was as big as my fucking pinky like that. And he goes, you know, you need to do something about this. Get Change your diet. So I went from like 255, big as a fucking brick shit house, And then I went down like 220. Just by dieting, just like I had to like start eating more fucking vegetables, salads, stay away from the red meat. The look on your face is like salads, like you're disgusted. Dude, I just look at salad and I get diarrhea looking at it, for real. And that's all it does is it just cleans you the fuck out. It's like, I like a solid shit, so I like to eat fucking a two pound fucking steak, you know? But uh, yeah, so um, I didn't go for my colonoscopy. I usually go once a year, once every 18 months. Came to Florida with my kid. We sold the... Uh, we sold the uh, condo on Siesta Key. Something was telling me I need to get rid of it because I kind of smelt my ex-wife was, there was something brewing. Uh, caught her cheating. So I got rid of it just in the nick of time. Did a little under the table fucking jam with a guy, you know. So uh, she don't know about that fuck you bitch. And um, yeah, so um, yeah. Um, and then um, I went to the doctor. Like I was feeling something was off. Like right. I don't they say that you know when you get the big C, you know whatever. Right. I was just feeling something was off. Wasn't feeling right. I went to the doctor. He did the colonoscopy. His face was a little different. Like, usually when I wake up after colonoscopy, he usually zips his pants and goes, hey, that was fun. You know, great fucking doctor, you know? This time, there was no zipping up the pants. There was no joking with him, you know? Right. And I was just like, yo, what's up? You know? And he goes, come to my office. So I oh, leave that good. room. I go to the office. He goes, I don't like the way it looks. He goes, but it looks like stage three. I go, what? He goes, it's a proplastic tumor meaning it's like a mushroom. He goes, usually tumors grow like a nub. He goes, and it spreads. He goes, yours grew a neck and the fucking thing just blossomed like a mushroom. I said, and he goes, I got most of it out and I did some biopsies around, but I'd like to see you in three months. I want to go back in. If not, we're going to have to cut you surgically and remove Ooh. like eight inches of your intestine. Yeah, so that's a great way to fucking go home with this. So now I'm sweating the biopsy. He calls me and he goes, I was right. He goes, stage three. So I go, what do we do? He goes, I want you to come in a little sooner than this. And I went in again, put me under. 
I was bleeding how much he was fucking biopsying me and whatever, but he kept pulling and pulling. He was right next to my appendix, and he was pulling and pulling. He was, I pulled so much. He goes, you're bleeding, but I got it. He goes, and I'm gonna, we're going to biopsy those 30 pieces. Came back, gone. It's, I mean, it's there, but it's malignant. He got it. Luckily, the way it grows, the blood is given the top of it you know, right. to survive the blood. That was the cancerous part. It didn't go and start to spread yet because it usually goes that way. And that's what he was telling me. So he goes, I need you to come every three months, but I want to send you for radiation therapy. I was just going to say, do you have to take chemo or anything yeah, after they, that? Yeah, they, they sent me. I went to this place in, uh, in Jersey, uh, St. Joseph's. It's a cancer place. And I went there alone, no ex-wife. She didn't come with me. My son was devastated because, you know, I had to tell my son because, you know, what do you do? You know, you got the apple of your eye here. You know what I'm saying? You got this new life. And I was just like, just, I was bewildered. I was shocked. I didn't know what the, f I didn't know if I was going to live. And I didn't want my son seeing me wasting away from being this big fucking powerhouse to being a fucking, you know, right. You know, fucking AIDS patient. So, um, I don't know. It's, <clears throat> it's just really, I'm just holding it back. <clears throat> all right. It was just really devastating for me. All right. And um, I went through six sessions of chemo. They would give me an injection. They would put this machine on me, kind of like a x-ray machine. And it would thump and whatever for like 15 minutes. Um, and I had to put this, you know, the thing in my vein and started getting this metal taste after the second, third. By the fourth, I was like, that's all I tasted was metal. I had no, I didn't have a taste for food because everything tastes like tinfoil, everything. Uh, even if I wanted to like drink chocolate milk, didn't taste like chocolate milk, tastes like fucking metal and Something thick, you know? And uh, I went in for another colonoscopy. Um, they did a, a oncology tests. They said, there's nothing in my bloodstream. There's no markers. There's no nothing. But I got to go constantly every six to eight months to get another colonoscopy to make sure there's no polyps growing or whatever. And at the same time, I find out my ex is cheating. So I kind of flipped out. And I'm going to leave that at that because that kind of opened up a can of worms about my past and I kind of did some stupid shit. How long and, ago was this? Uh, 2014. Okay. Actually, 2013 is when it all started happening. 2014, it was just, I, I already confronted her in 2013 and I said, you know, I want you fucking out. I want you to get the fuck out of here. And she was begging me like, you know, for my, for my son, whatever. And I didn't want my kid growing up the way I grew up in a divorce house. And I said, look, I could, I could forgive you, but I can't forget. I said, but this motherfucker that you cheated, I'm going to put him in this fucking early retirement. I'm going to fucking take care of him. She's like, no, this, that, that, you know. And um, she said she was going to try. You don't forgive people when they do some shit like that. When they do you dirty like that, walk away. Right. Because once they do it dirty and they see that they got away with it and you forgave them, they'll do it a fucking again. Little in six months, she was doing it again. Where I was putting spy gadgets in her car, and yeah, microphones, key loggers. I was living just to catch her. Yeah, and yeah. when I caught her, I was just, it was constantly like just us bickering. And then she was, uh, she was just yelling at, you know, at me in front of my son and spitting on me. And I was just like, like, do I now beat the shit out of her in front of my kid? Then she tried to throw cases on me. Uh, she'd call the cops and be like, he hit me. She had a fucking mark here. And the cop was like, well, how the fuck is that mark? From him hitting you and i go yo that's a defensive wound because i was grabbing her like this while she was clocking me in the face look at my face and my son is right there my son's going yeah my mommy hit my daddy but the cops motherfuckers the next morning they waited and they waited they i went to go take my son to school and they just stormed me in this little town of two thousand people 
The whole police force for that town stormed me. And the cop that arrested me was like, get against the fucking car. And I did. I, I, I didn't fucking resist. But the other cop was talking to my son and like literally going, your daddy's a bad man. He's going to go to fucking jail. How do you talk to a little fucking nine, 10 year old like that? Right. I lost my shit. I just like, I don't know how I wrestled my hand away, jumped over the fucking hood, started jumping on this cop. They were pulling me off. They arrest me. I'm screaming, you don't know who the fuck I am. Like, you know, I, like, you, you know, meanwhile, the cops are already Googling my name and he goes, your name keeps coming up, patch tattoos and this, and you ran with the Giannini crew, you ran with this one, you ran with that one. How come you don't have an arrest record? I was like, my friend, good lawyers. You know, and I'm like boasting. I'm sitting there in lockup boasting to this guy. And long story short, um, I spent, spent some, some time in there. She didn't want to bail me the fuck out. And my son was begging and begging, days of begging, please, mommy, take my money from the bank. We had a little account for him set up. And she was like, no, no, no. And he was begging. And I said, how could you make this fucking kid cry? Just bail me out. I'll go fucking Queens. I'll go live with my mom. So she bails me out. Uh, now child welfare services get involved because we did this in front of our kid. Right. And we got them coming to the house saying, I can't be in the house. I have to have a police escort in and out. So I go, okay, fine. So I go out and grab my kid. The cop goes, no, the kid stays here. I said, fuck no. I said, kid goes with me. My ex goes, yeah, the kid has to go with him because that kid won't stay with me. I didn't raise him. She said that on record in front of fucking child welfare services. Right. So then we had to come to an agreement where we went to counseling. That didn't do fucking shit. You right. know, it's just, it's beyond repairable now. It's just done. Yeah, was She's, the, the animosity is that's not, Oh, not dude, it was away. two ships passing in the night saying, fuck you to each other. You know, like, right. like you know, like t Pirates of the Caribbean. Fuck you, fuck you. Just passing each other. You know, I don't even like talking about it because it was such a fucking horrendous period. And my son hates his mother and hates all that shit that she did and put, you know, I was trying to do an opposite and raise him a different way. And it just looks like the ball rolled in that circle that I was raised in. I gave up. Um, let the bank take the fucking house, didn't pay the mortgage, didn't pay fucking jack shit. Um, she tried to be friendly, which was bewildering to me. Like, hey, come give me a kiss, like to see the kid. And I'm just like, yo, what? It's like, don't fucking come kiss me. Like, what do you, God knows where your mouth has been, you know? And she's just like, well, you know, I'm trying to be cordial in front of the kid. I go, you didn't think about that when you were spitting on me and yelling and saying I'm a fucking thief, I'm a bum, I'm a, you know, I'm a gangster. I said, you didn't think about that then, right? And she's just like, you know, whatever it was, I went back to Queens and she knew that when I was in Queens, she was powerless. She'd come by the house to see the kid. The kid wouldn't want to see her. You know, Marco, my son would just be like, I don't want to talk to mom. And I'd be like, you have to. And she'd be like getting all tizzy. And I'd be like, you know where you are, right? I was like, I make one phone call. It's done for you. And then one of my friends happened, this, this gangster drove by. He hates her. Uh, he drove by and um, Joe this, uh Johnny DeSantis, he drives by. My, my cell phone rings, and I'm like, hey, what's up, Johnny? And he's just like, was that your fucking ex-cunt? He goes, like, why is she talking to you in front of your fucking house? And I'm like, ah, Johnny, I don't know. She wants to see the kid. Fuck her. She lost privileges to Marco. If I turn this fucking Corvette around, I'm like, uh, okay. Like, you know, that's how it was, you know? Right. So, you know, for that one year, I was doing what I was doing. But I was, like I said, six months, and I was just like, I have to get out of Dodge. I can't do this. And then we, we came here. I met a girl in the process, which I didn't want to meet nobody. I'm sitting in front of the school where I'm picking up my son. This is up there? Up here? there in Queens, okay. yeah. And um, yeah, I'm talking to this other Serbian girl, Serbian gypsy girl, and here comes my, you know, my now girlfriend. She walks in front. I kind of like 
cock blocker, you know, like to talk to this other girl. And she goes, look at you. And I'm like, well, what do you fucking want, you know? And she's like, who the fuck you think you are? And I'm like, you don't know who the fuck I am? This one's going, he's Pedge, Pedge Tattoos. Everybody knows him, you know? Fuck him, like, you know? I was like, fuck you, you know? And the next, uh, the next day, this girl goes, hey, she's interested in you. I was like, well, she was cursing me out. How the fuck is she interested in me, you know? And we started talking on the phone. And it was one of those, we got on the phone, we couldn't get off. Right. And she'd come by my house. She had a problem. She was still with her ex, ex-husband. And I was like, you need to get rid of your man. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not a, you know, a person to break up a marriage. You, know? you got to think about your kid first. I'm thinking about my kid. And she just came around as a friend, came around as a friend. And she finally tried to get rid of him. And we hooked up. Uh, kicking the ass is that I'm friends with her family. Like me and her dad go back, back in the day. She's uh, 36 years old. So she's way younger than me. So me and her dad go way back. So there's kind of an embarrassment coming into the house as now, you know, her boyfriend, you know, because right. I'm the same age as her mom. So it's it's just kind of like, you know, a really awkward situation, but they accepted me. They're great people, you know, and I'm with her and she stood by me all this time. She knows my past. She knows who I was and what I'm about. And she still and she still knows that I'm capable of going to an extreme. Like if somebody touches my family, like God forbid somebody touches my son. I don't, I'd go to prison. That, I'd, that's, that's a given. That's a given. You know what I mean? But I don't stick up for my friends no more like I used to. I've taken bullets for my friends. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I got jigged over here with a bottle of Corona. Uh, I got stabbed in the back in the kidney. It's, I mean, I, I got in crack with a bat in a, in a bar fight. We get outside. This guy just pulls out a bat. I turn around. Bang, right? Split my wig. I just laid on the floor. I saw stars. I couldn't get up. And... I just see the guy going to hit me again, and my friend just comes over, boom, shoots him right in the fucking shoulder. Guy goes down, I grab the bat. You want to fucking hit me with a motherfucking bat? You know? It's, there's stories. I mean, I got tons of stories, but I'm saving a lot of my stories for my book, but I gave right. you some really gisty stories, well, what, you know? Who, I mean, what are, are you, have you, have you completed? No, I've, I, I've always your... started to write, and it's like, I, I've been reading up that when you want to write a book, you need to, every day, set aside half an hour to one hour, you need to write regardless and you need to be relentless about this. And no matter what the ideas are, just jot them down, jot them down, right. jot them down. My girlfriend goes, why don't you do that chat, whatever uh, AI thing? Yeah. GPT, yeah. And I said, because it's not gonna sound like me. No. I'm gonna tell it to write about me and give it a couple of stories and it's gonna make me out to be like some Harvard, you know, well, and it also sounds... It, it, also, it just sounds it, fake. Well, it generalizes. Yeah. It gives very general. They don't exactly. it doesn't know what exactly. you know. Exactly. So... Um, Punch has been pushing, um, and I was just like, you know what? I'm because he when he heard my podcast, he goes, man, he goes, the stories you tell remind me of shit, and you planted the flag, and you know, he goes, did you read my book? I'm like, yeah, I read your book. I read it twice, back to back. You know, Stealing Manhattan, awesome fucking book. Get your book now. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, have you written an outline? Uh, you know, I've I've started. This is gotten worse and worse. I have I have a, a spiral notebook where I started doing it, and I get sidetracked. I started doing themes for the podcast, like because I want to do a podcast with my yeah. son. And I start writing ideas, and I do these things where I do imitations, I do jokes. Uh, I get stuck on one imitation, I'll do it for like two weeks. Like I walked around the house like two months ago doing Bane. You know, like, so I, right. we watched, you know, uh, we watched Dark Knight and I'm just walking around the house going like, you know, Gotham City, you know, and then my son would be like, can you shut up? Now my new thing is, since this thing is going on in Israel, every time I hear Hezbollah, I go Hezbollah, you know, and it's just, I go through the house and my son is just like, uh, oh, this is annoying. 
to the point that everybody doesn't laugh anymore. They're just like, can you fucking bury it? So that's when I bury it and I go work on my next you know, imitation. So I was doing that, but I have about 300 pages that I did write. I just have to make sense of them because there's days where I write eloquent. I, my, 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 my ideas come out so perfect. They're run on sentences. You need, you know, I need to, yeah. I need to re, you know, go over it. But then there's like quick story. I was talking to a guy, Mark Terragrosa. He was from my past. He did nine years. He was involved with this kind of thing with Frankie where, you know, uh, they came to him while he was locked up and they said, hey, we're going to put you on this murder that you were there even though you weren't there. You knew about it. Like you premeditated it. You knew it. So we're going to throw that predicate on you and uh, you're going to get hit with 20 years. He didn't even get a chance to finish his nine years. So he was just like, what do you want me to say? What, what exactly happened? He said what he had to say. They released him. Frankie gets pinched. So Mark went and did a podcast, and Mark was mentioning me, and he was saying some stories. I literally forgot that I got high with Robert Downey Jr. Right. Totally forgot. We were in the Hamptons. We drove up there, uh, like four or five of us, and Robert Downey Jr. is a little VIP thing. And we're drinking, and we're like, hey, can we take a picture with you? And he happens to notice that I'm doing right. you know, this. He's like, hey. I'm like, yeah. He was like, do you have? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. We made a deal that night. He goes, well, how much do you have? And I said, well, I have this much. He goes, oh, shit, you're going to be with me all night. So hanging out with him, getting high, he's got an open bar tab. Right. He lets us go back to his house that he rented in the Hamptons. He leaves at 11 o'clock in the morning because he's got to fly out to California. We're still in his freaking house. Like The guy's like, oh, you can stay as long as you want. I forgot that story because I was right. in a fucking high, drunk stupor. Mark brings it up, and I'm like, but yo, we have pictures of that. I remember now. Mark's like, yeah, we do have pictures. You have them. I'm like, where the fuck are they? He goes, you got to look. So I tore my house up looking through boxes of photos. I lost a lot of photos in Sandy in New Jersey. I got flooded. My basement got flooded. And I lost a lot of fucking precious fucking pictures. That's one of them. That would have been a great like story. And you know, right. you know what I'm saying? Like maybe even Robert would remember that, you know, because... Bunch of wise guy kids from the neighborhood in the Hamptons. You know, this was when he had that little space between his teeth and all right. of that. You know, it was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the early yeah, the 90s. Pickup, pickup artist. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, less than zero where he had a. You yeah, know. <laughs> that was a disturbing. Yeah, movie. so I mean, um, I got a lot of stories, and uh, I don't want to put like you know, reading Pavlis' book, you know, Punch. Um, he kind of left off the book where there's going to be a part two. You could feel it the minute you end that book. You're like, ah, oh, this book isn't done. You know. So I don't want to do a part one, part two. I, yeah, yeah. I would rather do like we just did this, you know, uh, came to America and just write like each chapter for a part, like a little whatever, five, six years, because there's a lot of dark stuff that I didn't touch on that um, I still carry. Like, you know, uh, I carry that that stuff about my dad. I carry the stuff about my mom. Um, you know, I was always alone. You know what I'm saying? So now that I got my son, my son is my best friend. Uh, he makes me a better person. He's always the one telling me, "Let the guy go. Don't don't fucking pull him over." Like I know you kick his ass, so just let it go. You, it's not it's not you anymore. And yeah, and I, and I got to do it. I mean, and I let it go. But old habits are hard to break. And I mean, if I could break the habit of not being in the life, I could break the habit of not fucking knocking somebody off or looking at me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Right. But it, it's a hard thing. But you know, I'm looking to move up in this area as well. So. Uh, getting out of like the Clearwater area is very busy. Up here, it's a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, it's very laid spread back. Out. Yeah, so I'm gonna come up this way, and um, 
me and my girlfriend going to maybe buy a place together for her, her daughter and my kid. Stuff up here. Yeah, and, and the prices are dropping like crazy now. So, and a lot of New Yorkers are coming up this way, too. And you look, <laughs> it's like that you're living in it's like the Truman Show. It's right? beautiful. Like the, here. It, it is. It's, it's, it's they like design. I like design. it that you're not in that complex where you have that gate and you got to come in. You know, like uh, my yeah, friend lives so in that f- complex. This is just like open, which is good. You yeah, know, I but like you're it. You're so far back here. Like, there's nobody coming back here to do anything. Yeah, you know? but it's it's nice. I like it. I lived in that one little town in, in Jersey. No, that's so, what I'm saying. It's like yeah. you don't need a gate because nobody comes back. If you nah, don't live back nah. here, you're not coming back here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and everything's brand new. Yeah, that's what I like about it. And, and if you buy something used, it's like five years old. Yeah. So, like, what's the big deal? I bought my condo, and my condo is like uh, built in 2011. That's perfect. It's fairly new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I updated the kitchen and the, and the bathrooms. I don't like the plastic tub walls and shit. So I right. put typical New Yorker floor to ceiling tiles, you know, bullnose edge, you know, granite here, this and that. That's just what we do in New York, you know? But, um, well, yeah. Well, listen, are you, you feel good about that? Were you, you think of anything you, we didn't cover? Uh, no, I'm we sure pretty much covered everything. Um, you know, I'm healthy, I'm cancer free, um, not in the life. Um, I still I still keep in contact with a lot of people. Some people don't want to keep in contact with me because they're moving up in that life. Right. Um, and I won't mention their names because they're active members in the mob. And, you know, I don't want to fucking put any fucking radar signals, you know, with the feds on them and this and that. But, yeah, I, my whole thing is, like, uh, I started doing podcasts to kind of, like, lay this out, let people know that, you know, I didn't have a father figure. Um, if you could stay in school, stay in school. If you could, like... Try to tiptoe around the law the best you can. Do it. Everybody's going to break the law a fucking little bit. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, just try to stay out of fucking trouble. I mean, you know, you did time. I never did any serious hard time. But I've paid for it in other fucking ways. You know, right. like I've, I've, I've pissed away so much money. And I was just thinking about it the other day. At, at, at a given time, a given year, I was blowing on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday like five to 10,000 you know, for the whole weekend, just going out to titty bars, hanging out with guys, rubbing elbows, trying to make a connection. Like six months of spending money to make one, two maybe fucking connections to have a, like another connection for cars or for gold or for watches. And, you know, uh, it it doesn't pay. The money comes and the money fucking Man. flows through your, fu- it's like a, it's like having a basket that's weaved. You pick up the water, it just comes out, you know, it yeah. doesn't, doesn't still- stay. It's a lot of money, but you're still going pay, t- paycheck to paycheck. I mean, look, I'm lucky. I, I'm 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 at a point. I had a lot of real estate. I lost everything. You know, I, I liquidated a lot of shit. I got rid of everything. I I had to give that one apartment building I had in Queens. I had to give half to my fucking ex. She didn't deserve it, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I can't sit there and say, well, I made it from illicit gains. You know, right. so whatever. I gave her half. Shame on her because that would have been my son's. It wouldn't have been mine. You know, I would have kept it for my son. But it is what it is. Uh, I got a few watches out of the you know deal. I got some great stories. I got a fucking lot of ink, you know. Um, I got a great kid, and uh, I'm good where I'm at now in life, you know. All right, all cool right. Beans, we were, I was I was hoping we were gonna we were gonna leave it off with the guy opening the door and saying I I forgive you. I understand. And you guys were gonna nah. have a big hug. Hey, if it, it was, didn't work out that way, if like, it was, was me, like, I would have did the same thing. Like I'm sitting there, like I'm waiting for the thing, and I was like, nah. "Yeah, that's that's not where we're ending this. Like <laughs> this is horrible." No, no, my but, stories don't ever end like that, man. I'm sorry, man. My stories are real. <laughs> um, all right, listen, I I really appreciate you uh you coming by. And Thank you, I appreciate it. It was, it was a blast coming here. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching the interview, checking out the podcast. Thank you very much. 
Please do me a favor, subscribe if you like the video, hit the bell so you get notified, leave a comment. Uh, we're gonna leave some links in the description box. Really appreciate it. See ya.